Guess what day it is? It's Sunday. Welcome back to the Week in Review podcast. We're going for 7 out of 7 this week, and we're actually going to make it. I'm pretty surprised with myself, as well as my ability to get people on here and actually show up and talk, but today I got an easy one. I know where she lives, so it's kind of hard for her to elude me. I got the woman who brought me to this world, my mother, Melissa. I'm not going to call you Melissa, though. That'd be weird for both of us, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. She also listens to the podcast pretty frequently, um, which is a good and a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, true that. But welcome. How does it feel to finally be on? Are you going to listen to this one, too? Of course I am, yes. (laughs) It would be weird if I didn't, I think. I feel like everybody listens to their own episodes to hear what it sounds like. Yeah, the critiquing, the, yeah. What do I sound like talking for an hour and 40 minutes? No, I know what I sound like, and it's not very pleasing to my own personal ears, so... Whatever. <laughs> I get... I credit partially my gift of gab to you, I think. Ooh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're saying sorry to everybody else, I hope. Mm-hmm. Man. Normally. So... Today was a big day. Oh, yes, you... We, uh, I had to wake up really early today on a weekend. Um, yeah, mom got baptized today. How do you feel? I'm sure you're happy, uh, excited, is that the word? Or satisfied, maybe? Um, yes, it feels complete now because I have been back in church for the last two and a half years. And it's I didn't been a really, while. Yeah, I didn't really see the value or the point of the whole baptism. And then when I was at youth camp, that pe- preacher happened to talk to some of the kids about it. And he was like, just make sure that your baptism is on the right side of your salvation. And while I was baptized when I was younger, it was when I was really young. So I'm not really sure that I got Understood yeah, the gist of what it was, for sure. the meaning behind it. And it just it touched my heart. So I felt like I needed to do it. And when I heard that they were having a celebration Sunday coming up, I was like, well, this is the chance because we don't do it every Sunday. We don't do baptisms every Sunday. Um, Jonathan got baptized too, which I didn't know he was going to. Um, I was kind of equally as shocked because it was just a couple of years. But after talking to Pastor Rick about it, he said it's kind of appropriate to do it at the different stages and seasons of your life. And being that he was nine when Mm -hmm. it happened again, that was about the age I was when I got baptized and saved for the first time. Um, so while you kind of understand, you don't really understand all of it, the depth of it. For sure. And he tried to explain it to everybody, but he's not the best at picking his words. He's, uh... What he was trying to say is um, the pastor at the youth camp said that if you only got baptized because you felt like it was the cool, not the cool thing to do, quotes, or like the thing you're supposed to do, not because you truly wanted to. Um, he didn't word that quite right, but that's what he was getting at, I think. Yes, and he had just told that story to Pastor Mark when we were before we came out, and Mark was like, oh my gosh, say that when we walk out, and then of course when he had to say it on the spot, uh, it didn't uh, come uh, out uh, right. Yeah. I mean, he was he was speaking on a mic in front of like everybody, so I kind of yeah. understand. Uh-huh, definitely a bit of a freeze-up moment there for a second. Was the water cold? No, it was warm, <laughs> and Mark knows that I'm a weenie about being cold, because when I'm at his house with his wife, he, um, sweater. I've always got my mm-hmm. sweater, or she's got a blanket around if I walk in without a jacket, so well, as soon as he stepped in, he looked at me, he's like, it's warm! <laughs> I was like, yay! <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, because there's been a few times where it wasn't, but... So luckily. this this has been like a... 
This was a more recent thing that you thought about doing. Yeah, like real recent. Um, end of July. Like I said, it was when I was at youth camp that the pastor just talked about it. And it's not like our pastor hasn't brought up and we haven't had baptisms. But sometimes you just have to be in the right place in the right mindset to hear something differently. Somebody presents, it's, presents the topic differently to you. And it clicks. You register. It Definitely. Also being in that environment, I mean, I'm sure... How, how was camp? Camp was pretty fun, right? Camp was amazing. Yes, I um, I told my a portion of my testimony for the first time publicly. Your testimony is the reason that you wanted to be baptized? Um, no, my testimony, the one that I told specifically um, to the youth group was how God brought me back to him. Um, and it was through the little kids, through Kids Beach Club and mm-hmm. Wildwood. Um, so that's what I told them and how I had been gone for 17 years. Um, and oddly today is 19 years, um, since my world was turned upside down. Um, it was actually August 7th that he had the accident, but it was today, August 8th, where they were like, there's no activity in his brain. There's really nothing we can do at this point. And so we just had to make that decision and keep moving on in life because that's what you do. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, for context, she's talking about my, my father, person who um his biological father right not jeremy the man who's raised him all these years but it gets a little complicated when you try to say that my dad but he's my dad and yeah and i wasn't ever gonna call jeremy my stepfather because that just felt stupid and clunky and yeah i've never been an advocate of that um phrase either the step to anything yeah Yeah. whether it's it's just a constant reminder Mm -hmm. i feel like and there's no need to have that separation and but yes. Do you wanna do you wanna tell a story or do you want me to try to tell a story or how do you? Uh well, where would you want me to start specifically? Because it's a quite a lengthy story. Well, and I'm not real sure that. Whatever you want to, I'm <laughs> I'm completely okay with people knowing whatever you're okay with people knowing. So wherever you want to start. I well, mean, then we'll just start with the date um, and the accident because that's when. My world kind of shifted right. and everything flipped. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so August seventh. Yeah, August seventh. However many years of nineteen years Nine, ago. Two thousand two. So, yeah. Yeah. So the year you're born, yet the <laughs> twenty. That's two weeks <laughs> and three days. Three days before I was born. That, yes, I was doing. I was doing three weeks. Um, yeah. So we were at Poppy's house. His dad had come into town, who typically is either in California or in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just happened to be in town for some reason. Who who knows why? My grandpa, not my father. Yeah, uh, Doug, his grandpa. Yeah. Um, and so me and Sean were at Poppy's house. My but, dad. My dad's name is Sean, too. Sorry, yes. Um, a little confusing, it can be. Um, so we were at my dad's house. We were going to go to... Um, Sean, his dad's grandparents' house, mm-hmm. um, who lives also in Pleasant Grove. And when we got there, they had went to the lake earlier, and so nobody was there. And so we just kind of hung around waiting for them to get home. Well, he got antsy and went to go run an errand. Uh, we'll leave what the errand was out of the story. It's not relevant. Sure. Um, anyhow, so hour and a half later, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, he should have been back a little while ago. Um, and so I was... We weren't a healthy relationship, and I was getting mad. I thought he blew me off to go play with his friends or go do whatever he was going to do. And so I left um, to go back to my dad's house where we were living. And when I pulled out on Huddig, um, on coming up to Buckner 
I saw lights of an ambulance and I wasn't close enough to see anything other than the lights of the ambulance at that point. Um, and then as I got closer to that stop sign right there, I could see his bike under the car. Um, and good God, the traffic, it was awful. Um, it didn't stop me. Obviously I pulled out in front of everybody and then I flipped a U-turn in front of everybody so that I could get in the right position to where the paramedics were because at that point they had just gotten him into the, the ambulance. So I didn't even get to see him at that point. Um, and they see this big, fat, pregnant woman getting out of the car at this accident where she wasn't present, present when the accident happened. Mm -hmm. And they're like, ma'am, I don't know what's going on, but you need to get back in your car. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's my boyfriend. That's this baby's daddy. We not, what's going on? Um, and at that point, they were like, we're going to Baylor. Do not follow us. Meet us there. Um, and so I went back to uh, Munner and Pawpaw's house, his grandparents' house, because his mom lives next door, um, and I just, I ran into the house. I didn't knock. I didn't ring a doorbell. I just ran in and told her we need to get to the hospital now. And later in life, she was like, I thought you were in labor, and you needed me to go to the hospital with you? And I was like, no, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> um, and so once I got her in the car, um, we started to head to the hospital, and I filled her in on what I had walked into, what I pulled up on. And she immediately started to break down, of course. She was hysterical and irate. And uh, when we got to the hospital, the doctor came in to talk to us almost immediately. And he was using hospital terms. And she looked at me and she's like, I don't know what he's saying. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I said, they put the tube in his throat because he's not, they're just making sure that his body, he's still breathing, breathing kind of thing. Just to be on the safe side is what they basically said. Um, but then, um, they were like, we're going to send a chaplain in and they were asking us our religion and we're two different religions. So that didn't pose a challenge for me at the time because I wasn't really walking with Christ. So when I did go to church, it was a Catholic church with your dad, Sean mm. and his family because it appeased them and made them happy. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so fast forward, I called a couple of people from, um, the church that I'd gone to school with and told them where I was at and what was going on. And within an hour or two. There were dozens of people there. I mean, people, I was like, I don't know how you found out, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Dang. Um, it was all really a whirlwind. There was so much going on. Um, In the and, span of a few hours, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it hour. happened right before dark. So it was probably 7.45, 8 o'clock. Um, and then by 10 o'clock midnight, I mean, that hospital was full of people. And I didn't have a cell phone yet. That was before the days of cell phone. We all had pagers. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that just so, that sounds so crazy to me. It's Beepers blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyhow, so <clears throat> later that night... Did they, um, Jason or any oh, yeah. of them show up? Oh, yeah. Jason was there, of course. Um, all of his buddies. Jose, I think, was there. Uh, my friend Amanda. Gilbert? And, uh, you know, there were a lot of people there. I cannot tell you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah it was... I, yeah, it was just a whirlwind. Dumb question. Yeah. Um, so then... Overnight, um, they find, they brought, they realized that I wasn't going anywhere finally. And they saw the size of my feet because I'd been standing for so long and I gained 76 pounds with you. So I wasn't <laughs> just is, baby. Is that a lot relative? That's a whole lot. Yeah. Um, typically they want you at 25 to 35 pounds, but I went all in when I found out I was pregnant. Um, anyhow, so Better the next, yeah, the next morning they, um, they were like, we're going to do a dye test. That's their, they, they. They kept him sedated, obviously, and kept him so that the machines were making sure he was continuing to stay alive. But when they did the dye test the next morning, That's there was brain yeah brain activity. Because at that point, I had seen him, and he looked perfectly fine. 
there was no like swollen anything, no bloody nothing. I mean, there was <clears throat> a, one cut on his hand and there was like another tiny little cut on his face. Other than that, he looked perfectly fine. I couldn't look at him until anything was wrong. Um, and then late as the night went on, there was like this certain color of um, blood, dark stuff that was coming out of his ears. And I noticed every time a nurse came in, that's what they were checking. That's what they were looking at. Um, and then later I was asking why, what's this, mm-hmm. what's that, just to find out what was going on. But they found out that there was no brain activity, the dye that was they put in his system. While it, they saw it in the different other parts of his body, it, there was none of it in his brain. And so they knew that there was nothing that they could do at that point. Um, yeah. And from then on, I mean, I just... I couldn't believe I felt like I was in a dream. I felt like, um, when am I going to wake up? This is horrible. <laughs> this is not fun. This is not, uh, this is not my plan. That's I what I can imagine. Yeah. I'm pregnant. I'm fixing to have a baby. This is not, I was not supposed to have this baby by myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, from then on that was, it was hard. Um, and then that was pretty much when I walked away from God too, because I had been through so much, and I tried to be a good person, but I realize now being the good person isn't what he was after. He mm-hmm. was after me coming back and being faithful. And But 17 years later, lots of experiences. Of course. I can only imagine. <sighs> I did go back. Um, but a couple of years later, I met Jeremy, which happened Wait, to be... Wait, no. A, it's got to be 18 years. I'm 18. I know, but you were you're fixing to be 19. So then it's going to be 19 years. It's 19 years today since his accident. You're not going to be 19 for another two weeks. But it's been 17 years since I walked away from Christ, since I went. Oh, so That's took, my reference to, yeah. You I said was, it took you, so it took you two years to really. Oh, to come to the baptism thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've heard the, I've heard other preachers talk about it, but it wasn't until this guy said it in a certain way, Shane Pruitt, if anybody wants to look him up, he's a cool guy. Um, he's young, he's hip, he's local. Um, he focuses on youth. And making sure that they know that they're on purpose. That was his, because you know what he said is um, one thing that stuck with me. He said that uh, you may have surprised your parents, but you were intentional from God. So, and I sadly have said, I'm sorry. You were, I mean, you were an accident. I'm glad I had the accident. Happy accident. (laughs) Yeah, you're a a blessing is now what I would refer to them as because they were a surprise to me for sure. Yeah. Only one of my four were planned. So that's happens in life man (laughs) yeah the fourth one even got through medical prevention that's oh yeah man (laughs) he was meant to be i can't wait to see um how he is used in life Mm -hmm. yep (sighs) okay so all that happened did doug uh, stay in town for a minute after that or was he still traveling around? Oh no, he stayed. Um, he was probably here for two weeks um, and his um, service and burial actually took longer than what most do because um, I wanted to do organ donations because he was 22 years old. He was young. Everything should have been and fine. Well, for the most part, yes. Everything should have been tip-top shape, peak of life. So... And they wanted me to make the decisions because we were at that point common law married because I was pregnant and he was living with me at my dad's house and mm-hmm. uh, He's that on my tree, is he? that did not make no okay. um, that did not make um, Sean's grandparents who raised him happy at all. His grandma was a very controlling, manipulative person, 
I'm sure her heart was in the right place, mm-hmm. but it just, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't, but then again, I was in a bad place in life too there. Well, I do remember at one point, it was maybe five or six years ago when we were in North Carolina, you told me that they tried to get custody of me when I was a baby, so I can't, I can't see any good intention in that, honestly. I can't. Uh, For me, that was the last, that was what kind of switched me over from, you know, you know when you don't see family that often, but you still love them, like it's still in the back of your mind, that kind of switched me to, these are just people. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, that was, again, just the controlling nature of how he was raised. Um, and he was really the only one that kind of reared his head and said no. He did completely take advantage of the situation. Um, but in my mind, they trained him. They showed him what love was, and that's what they showed him love was, was material things, money, the things that you can have instead of the way you treat somebody and the way you talk to them. And so... Yeah, she um, flipped her lid, and at that point, she turned on me, and she asked if I was going to pay for all of his funeral, and if I was going to find a place to bury him, and if I was going to put the bill, and I'm like, I have nothing. (laughs) I'm left here with a baby. He was my plan. He was taking care of me. He paid my bills. So, no, I... I got responsibility. That's all I I said, I can't help at all with any of that. And, of course, we were in the middle of the funeral home at that, and I just broke down. And his I walked out, and his cousin came to get me, and he was like, Melissa, I'm so sorry. He was like, but uh, Stevie. I don't think you ever met Stevie. He actually passed a couple of years ago. Um, But your dad and him were really close. He was older. (laughs) I mean, he's probably 10 years older than us, but they were cousins. So Mm -hmm. Um, he was like, I'm sorry, she's being this way. They, can you please come back? Because they need your signature as much as it, she hates it. And as much as this is making you uncomfortable, they, you are the one that has to make the decisions. Yeah. And I, I didn't really make any of the decisions. I just sat there and let her say it. And then and I signed, signed off whenever she got done because I wasn't trying to piss anybody attention. off. I wasn't, yeah. I am traumatized at this point in life. My whole plan, my whole life just got ripped out from underneath me. So. Definitely. And There's, this is how long How long after that? Like a few days? Or? Uh, well, we ended up, his burial was August 13th. So the 7th was the accident and the 13th gotcha. was when he actually got yeah, put so in the ground. Yeah, so still really recent. Oh yeah, real recent. <laughs> um, and then later found out she had three life insurance policies on him. So wow, he died and she made money. I was like, well, okay. That's almost... That's insane. It's sickening, really. Yeah, it's like I've she never, expected something to happen. I've never known anybody to have life insurance policies on their grandchildren. Normally, kids might have it on their parents. Parents will have it on their kids until their kids get or you their know, parents. 21 or 25 or something. But to have it on your grandkid. That's weird. Yeah. I'm and just, three? Yes, three of them. Like I, that's like betting on it. That's so weird for me. <sighs> I mean, one of our, Mr. Woodall, um, he's the one that, one of my teachers from school, he also um, baptized you at one point. He also married me and Jeremy. He told your dad at a very young age, junior high, high school, whenever it was when he first got there, he told him if he kept living so hard and fast that he was going to die at a young age. And there's no way he could have known that except for real life experience because he lived a hard, fast life. And so I'm sure he saw some mm-hmm. of his friends die very young. Um, and looking back, remembering those statements, it's like, wow, how did he right. know? How did he know? That's like Biggie and Puck saying that they were going to die before their time uh-huh. type stuff. Yeah. 
So, but the good news, this date, while it has always caused me to be very sad, now it has a a completely different memory for me and a happy one of baptism and coming back to God because he's ultimately the goal in life, knowing our creator as intimately as possible. He knows us, so why shouldn't we know him? That's your, that's, um. Because I feel like everybody slightly differs in their uh, overall takeaway or view on religion. So that's your, that's what you want out of it. You want to get to know as much as you can. Yes, that's one of the things. But there's also um, the Great Commission. It says in the Bible, don't keep your salvation for yourself. Share it with other people. Because you never know when somebody else in your life is going through something you've already gone through. And so you can help them. For sure. That's what I like. That's kind of what I try to do with this almost. Mm-hmm. I like and um, I like giving people advice because that's something podcasts have done for me. Um, just listening to older people that have been through a lot, people that I kind of look up to that I know have good morals or similar to me, hearing their advice and situations they've been in has helped me a lot. So mm-hmm. that's what I try to do with this. And um, every, all the guests I've asked them, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would pass on? to everybody that you'd want them to know and that would better their lives. So I I definitely, yeah, that's something I can Mm -hmm. agree with. Yep. It's been an amazing transition, and it's not over. Um, Most people think that once you come back to God or once you get saved, you're just this magical new person, like a light switch almost. You turn it on, Mm -hmm. and now you're this. And it's not that way because you've been that person that you were for however many years it took you to get to that point in life. So it took you 20 plus years to learn those habits and those bad things. It's going to take some time to unlearn it and to replace those bad things with new things that are praiseworthy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, um, like waking, I waking up and going to church every Sunday, going to church every Wednesday or uh, more like behavioral stuff, making sure you're, um, um, the church, going to church, that's just about being around other believers um, and kind of positive getting, reinforcement. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's like-minded people, and no matter if it's church or work or, I mean, just normal life. If you're around other like-minded people or people that you aspire to be like, then you're going to start picking up on those things. You're going to learn different things. You're going to see things differently. For sure. And so that's been my goal is to, and the people at my church, Wildwood, they are very genuine people. Um, There's not this fake facade of life is perfect and God is always good. I mean, God is always good, but life is not always perfect because... Definitely not. I mean, circumstantial and situations... The story you just told, I mean, shoot, that's a perfect example. Yeah, for sure. Yep, and there are many more like it in life. Um, and while I didn't always see it as a blessing, I do now because now I'm able to talk to other people about similar situations. Um, like Caitlin, uh, my niece, she kind of went through something very similar to where she lost her baby's father very abruptly, very mm-hmm. suddenly, unexpectedly. And I was able to talk to her, and I'm still able to talk to her and remind her that where she's better, at, yeah, right? it gets better mm-hmm. as long as you're doing the right things in life, it will get better. But if you're still making the bad decisions, then things are still going to, it's still going to suck. Of course. Um, <laughs> so. I'm going to quote Kendrick Lamar real quick. Okay. Excuse my language, but shit don't change until you wash your ass. Yeah. You know, 
Mm-hmm. You got to put your effort in. You can't just expect stuff to change. That's which right. Which is something I feel like I learned not... I, I don't know if it's early or late compared to other people, but for me, it wasn't until after getting out of high school and really having that net taken away that if I want something that I really have to, like, put in the effort myself, you know? Because, um, sure, I had a high school job and stuff, but that's just... I was content with that. It but. was just your running money. It was just so that you could continue to play and not really live life. And then once you stepped out on your own, it was, uh-oh, I've got to provide for myself. Bills, uh-oh. rent. <laughs> it's it's more than I expected. And whenever you're, whenever I'm, whenever my bills are paid, I'm completely fine. And I don't really care about money or whatever. But whenever I'm not sure how much or whenever it's getting close at the end of the month, man, that stress is unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. And him, too, having to worry about if I can afford the vet payments, because, man, it's been like 250 the last few times, and I'm glad I'm splitting it with Rogelio, and we're kind of doing it half and half, but this, it kind of sucks. It it's should be temporary. the last one. The, nec- the next one should be the last boosters for a while, until yeah. it gets neutered. I was going to say, then you've got to get him neutered, yes, mm-hmm. for sure. And that's just so he doesn't spray around the house, right? Uh, yeah, and so he doesn't want to wander off. Oh, like oh, so that okay, yeah. Yes. That so that he doesn't sense. roam mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or try to escape. You have to take away that desire. He doesn't seem very interested in it so far. No, he's not matured enough yet. His balls haven't dropped. Excuse my language, but that's <laughs> really what it hasn't happened yet. So until that happens, he gets. It's no different than real life men. They go through a stage in life, and all of a sudden, they didn't see women before. Now they're like, oh, hi, I never noticed you had those curves there. Yeah. So. Around middle school, (laughs) high school. Ah, don't say it. Nah, I wasn't. That's as far as I was going to say. What do you remember about living at Poppy's? Because I don't really have any memories from back then. The only memory I have is I remember one day I woke up. You, you claimed it was in the middle of the day, so I guess I woke up from a nap or something, and I wanted nachos, so I went downstairs, quit. I went downstairs and got the plate, and I put cheese on the plate, and <laughs> chips on the plate, and then I put it in the microwave, and I just pressed a lot of buttons, and then I pressed go, and then I sat down and watched cartoons, and some time later, Poppy ran downstairs, do I smell smoke? Is something smoking? And the, and um, apparently the microwave was on fire or something. I'm still kind of oblivious to what really, if it exploded or if it was just on fire, but the stuff he inside, threw it outside, I think. Yeah, the stuff inside caught on fire, and there was no buttons. It was old school. We actually found it at a garage sale. It was actually at a state sale from a lady who had died. It was old school, so it was a knob. Oh, yeah. And the timer on the knob no longer worked, so you kind of had to stay there and like pay attention to it, or it was just going to keep going, which so what happened when you put it in and turned the knob. for destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So the cheese on the chips and the styrofoam plate, I'm guessing that you used. Yeah, poof, caught on fire and made the whole house stink. Yeah, for sure. That's my only real standout memory. I don't, re- I don't remember Poppy really yelling at me. I just remember him yelling in general. Oh yeah, he was yelling about the situation because that's he when he gets excited, he just gets loud and goes on a rant. Oh and, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, Absolutely. it takes a while for him to calm down. Oh, I've Spe- got many speaking memories. of that. 
I got Poppy listening to the podcast now. He, oh, great. He was, at, he was at church, so I brought him over to the house and downloaded a podcast player on his phone and showed him how to do it. I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> this is going to be the cleanest version you ever hear. No, for real. I've, I've <laughs> tried not to cuss. but Yeah, good times. Oh, strange thing. Donald walked in. Were you in there? when? No, you had already left. Um, so when I got home after I I from the grocery the store. yeah, Old dusty truck. He um, awkwardly said, Hi, Melissa. Like, I hadn't already, like, made eye contact, and uh-huh. he was trying to, anyhow, he was like, so, um, congratulations, and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. He's like, for getting baptized today. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. <laughs> he was like, you know, I've been thinking about getting rebaptized, and I was like, really? <laughs> you know, baptism isn't what saves you. I mean, if you want to do that to make yourself feel good, that's not how you get to heaven, though. Baptism is the step afterwards, and so I told him, it's like, it's a public profession, of you wanting to follow Christ. Yeah. Um, I said, and that is the only purpose of it. It does nothing else for you to get you anywhere. Mm, and he's like, like a ticket. Yeah, no. And he's like, my dad, you know, last time I saw him, I brought it up to him and he said, I think you, all of you boys got baptized. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I said, do you want to talk about being saved first? Because that would be the first step. And he just kind of looked at me and kind of did the sideways head thing. And so I was like, well, and so I did the steps for him. Yeah. And at that point, Grady or somebody else, oh, Jonathan was standing there. Mm. And he started looking at me and he was like, I'm sure. Thumbs up, shaking his head. And then I I was like, when I stopped and saw it, it, Donald was like, what's going on over there? And so that kind of distracted Uh, the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I was quite shocked that. He even brought it up because every time I've talked to him, I was like, hey, you going to go to church with us? Jonathan's getting baptized. This is happening. This mm-hmm. thing. No, that church will catch fire if I step in there. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the first thing I said to Poppy. I said, I'm surprised your hair's not a little singed. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I said, if I've been able to step in there in the place and not catch fire, I promise, whatever you've done, it's not going to catch fire for you either. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. That's cool. Yep. But did you have any more stories of when I was little at Poppy's? Oh, yeah. I've got lots of them. Um, Poppy would make breakfast every Sunday morning. Um, He would turn on Reba albums. And back then, it was VHS (laughs) tape. Once he got the VHS tape of the um, the music videos, that's what he would play every (laughs) Sunday. That's what I woke up to, the sound of Reba singing. I love Reba. Um, And the smell of bacon, because he was always frying bacon and... Bacon and eggs and toast. He, he fries it. You bake it. It's different. Yeah, he puts it in the pan on the stovetop, and mm-hmm. I don't do it that way. I don't like to get splashed and popped. So Yeah, definitely. Um, but I remember you would always sneak downstairs early, um, either when I was still asleep or I was still upstairs getting ready, and you would sneak down and grab a couple of pieces of bacon, and I wouldn't know it until you were heading back up the stairs, and I'd hear Poppy getting after you. <laughs> Boy, if you keep eating that bacon, we're not going to have any to eat when breakfast is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Um, memories with you. I mean, we lived there for two and a half years after you were born. It's not, because we didn't move into our house until we were, or your house until I was four. 2007. <coughs> I got married in 2007. That's when we bought the... I was four. Okay. 2002? I would have been turned five that year. So, yeah. Okay. You didn't go to school there, though. I mean, because we moved to Mesquite right at the time you were fixing to start school, probably. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Um, prior to that, I mean, we were always outside. Poppy was always outside with you. He never would babysit. That, that was the one thing. <laughs> if I ever wanted to go out, I had to make sure that you were taken care of, bathed, and asleep. 
Yeah. If you weren't asleep, I couldn't leave. <laughs> and so was that ever an issue? Um, I don't remember that. Or I guess I'd no, be too not young. really, because I mean, you were. He always made sure I knew you were my responsibility, and he, it, you weren't his. Therefore, he wasn't going to do the work. That's um, good, so, I guess. No, Someone it absolutely needs to put that was. Mentality. I yeah. mean, yeah, it kept me straight and sober. I think because. Anytime I walked out that door and you weren't with me, he reminded me that I am the only parent you have, and I needed to make sure that I made my way home. So whatever I was going to do, I need to make sure every single time. I can see him doing that. There was not a time I walked out that door and did not get some sort of lecture. I think he got the worry award gene from Granny, definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, plus he was also a young kid at one point, too, so he knows the kind of stuff and the trouble that you can get into. Yeah. But he went through something similar like I did. Uh, he lost, I lost my mom at the age of four. Um, so he raised two girls on his own. So he knew what I was going through. He knew what it was like. The only difference is... My, he wasn't very sympathetic, it sounds no, like. Wow. he's not a very sympathetic person. That's not... And if you haven't noticed, I'm not either. I'm not really going to sugarcoat or I'll say I'm sorry and I love you and mm-hmm. it's tough. Because it is. Yeah. But, there's not really words that are going to fix how you feel. In my I remember life. when Caitlin and Charlie were staying with us for a minute. Oh, that I lasted was, a weekend. I, I was, a it weekend? It didn't, no, Caitlin it stayed. It felt like a week. He didn't. Okay. Yeah, Caitlin stayed for six weeks, um, but oh, he didn't because, I, that. I mean, with that within that weekend, they showed me that uh-uh. The arguing and the screaming and the cussing, I was like, my kids aren't used to that. Uh-huh. You can't do that stuff here. It, it definitely felt uncomfortable. I remember one day, didn't you? You guys come home, and he was in a pa- on a pallet, like in the street, or not in the street, but in the yard or something. Um, like all of his stuff. No, after up. I kicked him out that yeah. night, I told him he needed to go find somewhere else to stay. And supposedly he had a friend come get him. Well, yeah, the friend came and got him, but brought him back the next day. And yeah, Donald is the one. He mm-hmm. they were coming over for something. He was like, "Hey, did you see the the pillow and the stuff in the yard across the street?" <laughs> and I was like, "No." And so I walked out there, and sure enough, and he had been staying, sleeping over there. Where we talking. used to play in yes. the tunnels and stuff? Yes. Man. He was sleeping over there at night. And then when I went to work during the day, Caitlin would let him in the house. Or she was talking through to him through the windows or whatever she was doing. Mm-hmm. All I know is it didn't last long after that. That I was like, mm, we're done. I tried to help you. I'm so sorry. I love you. but After um, a certain point, there's so much benefit of the doubt you can give. Yeah, I'm not. It was just about the exposure to my own kids. I worked my rear off to make sure that I chose a husband and found somebody that wasn't going to be drama and chaos. Mm-hmm. Because For sure. I lived in that, and that's not fun. I've said that a few times, that it feels like every other, or a lot of other families that I see have a lot of crazy stuff going on all the time, and it kind of feels like we're a lot more grounded. I mean, we'll, you know, get mad at each other and stuff, but it's never super dramatic or... No, that's because I don't, I don't play the drama game. That's right. not, it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't get you anywhere. It just makes you look like a fool <laughs> most of the time. For people with nothing else going on, I guess. Yes, for sure. I've never liked that. Mm-mm. Oh, but I I just remembered. You asked me what I thought of the church service today. Oh, yes, and you wouldn't answer me. You're like, don't ruin the podcast. Yeah, because there was one part that did make me... It didn't really make me uncomfortable, but I was... I felt uncomfortable because there were kids in there. It was when the pastor... I'm not going to say his name, but... Um, well, I've already said the church's name, so it oh, doesn't matter at this point. His name's Rick, correct? <laughs> yeah. Pastor Rick was... T- um, Talking about stories that need to be told and stuff. 
that um, maybe people don't want to say, but people definitely need to hear, which I agree, and that's definitely uh, appropriate when it... But I think there's an age for it. Like in, when, well, when he started talking about his story, which was um, pornography addiction, which surprised me. I've never really heard of someone talk about that openly, which I respected that. And I wasn't there. Nothing about that bothered me. You know, I wasn't laughing at him or anything like that. But the fact that he was so openly talking about I'm married, I'm going to be having sex now or pornography is so I mean, you've so got to admit, that's available. what most men think when they get married, though. Now I've got sex at any moment of any no, time no, no, of the day. No, I'm not, I'm not arguing okay. any of that stuff. Okay. I'm just... Just the context of the audience. Right. Well, I, and, I just think that... Because he did say, um, when he was talking about it before the baptism, he did say that this will be PG and that if, you know, you want your kids to hear this or, or don't hear this, you know, be ready for it. But then he just went into it right after that. And I felt like... I mean, I was uncomfortable because Grady was right next to me, and I felt like he didn't need to be hearing about how readily available porn is and how how much um, he, how much he got out of it. I, I I get he was saying the dangers of it, but mm-hmm. um, you know, young yeah, kids, not, it's just yeah. as you know, deaf ears. They could just hear how great it is and all that, and how available. But um, that what? was the only thing that really bothered me and personally. To, and to put that into context, that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Yesterday, the plan changed when we were at the pool party because um, the people who were in charge of Children's Church, when they learned that I was getting baptized and Jonathan was getting baptized, they were like, oh, is Pastor Rick still here? I want to go talk to him because they feel like they miss everything because they're always in the Children's Church. And so they wanted to be a part of this. They wanted their kids to be a part of it. And so the kids would normally leave and go do Children's Church after we sing and do the worship time. So the little kids aren't normally in there. And so the plan wasn't for the little kids to be in there Mm -hmm. for this sermon. But when you're a preacher and you've already got a series laid out, you you don't really skip over. You don't really, you've worked really hard on what you've got to present. (laughs) And it's kind of hard to just come up with something on the spot too, especially to fill up such a large time slot. So so. it wasn't part of the plan for the kids to be in there because he told me yesterday what he was going to be talking about um, before the plan changed. Um, and the kids weren't going to be removed. Yeah. So it was different context. Okay. Yeah. Knowing that makes does make yes. me feel a little bit better because I definitely, for sure, feel like that's something that needs to be talked about. Because, like I said, I've never heard anyone openly talk about you know them personally having a pornography addiction. Or well, that's because stuff when like most that. people think of addictions, they think of drugs and alcohol. But definitely. there are so many addictions. You can get addicted to food. You uh, know? No doubt, food, <clears throat> exercise, um, our cell phones. Mm-hmm. Video games, um, checking your social media, um, washing your car. I mean, you can get addicted to st- all kinds anything of random. Anything in excess. Yes, yeah. anything in excess. You it, it can become an addiction. So, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I love the people at this church so much, because they are real, um, because they did have real-life struggles. They come from some of the similar places that I come from, so they can relate and they can minister to those people. Um, uh, where I came from, the preachers weren't that way. They were not approachable. And maybe that was just my own, because I had my own glasses on and saw them in a certain light. But I never saw random kids or youth walk up to the preacher where I w- went to school. I was going to say, are you talking about as a as a kid? Yes, because I went to a, a private school that was yeah, a, Christian. a Baptist Christian school. I was there for six years. And I can't recall a single time where a student approached 
or the youth approached our preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, there were always teachers and deacons and other people to intercede. Um, but I can't ever remember going up to Brother Wade and talking to him or telling him, hey, I'm struggling with this in my life. That was never, there, I, I never felt so free to do that. And maybe the adults did, but mm-hmm. I never felt that way. See, I, I'm thinking back now to when I went to church as a kid to, um, I don't even remember the name of the church now, but the one with Paul. Edgemont. Edgemont, yeah. I remember, um, I didn't feel that way about Brother Ted because the way that I even, I had got into the church was I had gone to their Friday night event every month or so. They'd all get like church's chicken and... It's fellowship. Yeah, it's fellowship. Fellowship, okay. Yeah. They'd bring a lot of food and the old dudes was always play dominoes and... I always hung out with my grandpa, and I was stuck to him, and so I hung out with who he hung out with, uh, Bill Browning, uh, Brother Ted, uh, yeah, I can't remember his last name, doesn't matter. Um, they were all really nice, and they, they treated me like a like a competent person, you know? Old dudes love to mess with little kids, and some kids don't know how to, like Jonathan, he doesn't really know how to take it. He just takes it all personally, but... He's gotten better since he's gotten older, but you're right. When he was younger, he still struggles like to, yeah, he still struggles to understand Poppy's personality. Yeah. <laughs> but I was more than willing to, you know, shoot back at him, and um, that's how I got into that. So I always felt really comfortable approaching and talking to Brother Ted, but thinking back, I definitely don't think I really understood everything that was going on or being talked about and I just think I wasn't old enough to or mature enough to but whenever I would pray or anything like that um, or like in front of people I wouldn't like the words are supposed to just come to you right or not all, no no not always um, it actually there's a couple of verses in the Bible where it says that even when you can't find the words to use the Holy Spirit will intercede and um, interpret your feelings and what's in your heart to God mm-hmm. um, and so no you don't always have to have the words and oftentimes that is when you stutter and stumble because at certain times in life you just don't have the words well because I feel like I just memorized certain phrases that other people said and, and put them together and kind of said that in my prayer. I'm sure yeah absolutely you learn from your surroundings and you kind of mimic what other people are doing until you feel comfortable and do it your own way or so that it's personal to you so mm-hmm. yeah there's no doubt I mean I've looked around and seen how other people worship and I mean I've found what's comfortable for me and so, yeah, I mean, you, you learn from the people that you're, I mean, that's the whole point of discipleship is learning from somebody who's further along on their Christian walk than you are. So that's why it's so important. But other than that, <clears throat> I enjoyed church for the most part. I had friends and stuff in my youth group, and um, the reason I got away from church, I guess, other than the grandpa that I went with, he passed away, and that really affected me because he was, like, my favorite person ever. Every weekend I was at his house, every Friday. He was um, at all your baseball games. I mean, right. he was at everything, yeah. I honestly, I feel guilty because I don't remember a lot about him at this point just because my memory is bad. I mean, I can, I got that picture right there of when we were in second grade, but as far as his voice, I mean, I remember he used to joke around a lot, and he would be inappropriate about women around me. And oh, I, yes. I didn't really understand at the time, but it was... Thinking back to those comments and yeah, phrases. The, oh, yeah, you know. Stuff like uh-huh. that. He was just an honorary old man. He's a character for sure. Um, but 
I feel kind of guilty about that sometimes because he really was there for everything. He did everything for me, like anything me that too. I ever wanted. Yeah. He was a great Found person. a way to make it happen. Right. Found a way to build it, make it, buy it, whatever he whatever he could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about before that? I'm sorry. That just lost my train of thought. Um, How did we get on to Paul? I don't know. We were talking about when I was young. We are talking about whatever. Um, what was the first... Because I remember you. the first song that I ever really heard that kind of made me think differently about music was 30 Seconds of Mars, The Kill. But then the first like rap album that I listened to was Recovery, and you played that in the car. Oh, yeah. And that's still my favorite album to, to date. I mean, I know all the words to all the songs. I That, that kind of got me started my love of music, I think. So I was just going to ask what songs really stood out to you as a kid. What, what did you like to listen to? Or what song do you remember um, thinking, wow, this is like this is music this is awesome kind of thing um for me music is always brings back the past like memories oh yeah Mm -hmm. and it's not normally good memories it's the sad stuff it's the hard stuff definitely i definitely get that (laughs) um people associated with songs that you can't forget yeah Yeah, definitely um so growing up i mean i would my dad listened to country and the oldies oldies but goodies Mm -hmm. and i wasn't really allowed to listen to anything other than that um until i got into junior high high school and that's when i started to venture out and i started listening to rap and um rock uh, but he didn't like it, and if he heard me listening to it in my room, I mean, he would either go turn it off or he would change the station. Or Man. yeah, what's it to him? Um, he's very single, simple-minded, very For sure. singular. Uh, I don't know how to say it without um, just saying it. So we're just closed-minded. Gonna... Yeah, he yes, he's very like not most, open-minded on a lot of things in life. Most yes. people of his generation, I would say, share that characteristic. Yeah, that's probably true too. Unfortunately, but. Um, but it wasn't until after your dad passed where music really started to mean something to me. Before then, I mean, we went to concerts all the time. I mean, my favorite concert probably was is Stained, a Stained concert that oh, I went yeah. to. Oh, yeah. That shirt, is that? Yes, it's from that. Man, I yeah. love Stained. That would have been cool. There were several bands there that night, and it was like, it's not Lollapalooza, but it was something like that. In the South, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, over at Fair Park. And then there was another one. Uh, Marilyn Manson put on a really good show, too. Freaker's Ball? Uh-huh, Freaker's Ball. That sounds awesome. Yep. Um, I was really... that Was that when he was still young? or? Yeah. I mean, we had to have been 20, 21. He's, he's old now. When I see pictures of him, <laughs> it's weird. He still puts on the makeup, but there's a lot more wrinkles and stuff. Yeah, you can see the lines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was 20 years ago. So He's yes, still putting definitely. out music, too. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, an artist is always an artist, whether he's publishing it or not that's a whole other story but i don't think that just gets turned off for people i think they just start applying it in other directions or they just don't publicize it that's definitely true i mean look at me i I never played this when i was in high school but i practice this like Mm -hmm. two or three times a week now um the juds was the very first concert i ever went to that was with my dad when i was like five or six juds um it's country i would imagine it's a mom daughter duo oh yeah yeah um, you should look them up every now once you you're bored. Okay. Um, it's good old country, southern country. Yeah, not too bad. 
okay. thinking back. Yeah, so that was my first concert. Um, but Pink, Pink really got me. And it wasn't in, for years afterwards. Um, what is the song? She says, um, if somebody had told me this three years ago, I wouldn't have believed them. Uh, because you promised these things, you oh, said these yeah, things. Oh yeah, yeah. I know which I know what song you're talking about. Anyhow, that song really got me, and I just started bawling one day, and I'm like, "This song wasn't even around. Was this one making me cry?" Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and sometimes, given my mindset, that that song can still make me cry. Um, but yeah, music is always it's a. Now I try to look for uplifting, joyful stuff. Most of the time, I'm listening to praise music because that's what keeps me. Yeah, hopeful and move. lifted and all that good stuff so um yeah but i look i've always loved all genres i've um <laughs> i remember when you came to me like hey mom give me some music that uh i wouldn't know about mm-hmm. and then i gave you a few and you started looking them up and you were like how come all this stuff is twerking music and booty shaking music man and i was like um what uh juvenile <laughs> what's the name of this song slow slow for me no. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's, um... Juvenile. You know what I'm talking about. I know, uh, one of them is 8-Ball and MJG, Don't Flex. Uh, yeah, and Diamonds in the Wood. Uh-huh, UGK, yep. Um, yeah, I... That was in... That was probably in high school. I liked all that stuff that you showed me. Slow motion, that's what um, it was. Slow motion for me. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then you, you started showing me, like old R&B stuff. Like, like Mary J. Blige or Boys to Men, Jodeci. Yeah, and um, I get so weak in the knees. That's Jodeci. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good, I mean, the 90s were good times for some R&B. And I'm I didn't you. know, but then you showed me it, that. It really was. There were some really good, talented people. I mean, probably up until you show and you showed me Tupac too, if not in person than indirectly because you had like the greatest hits CD and I I used to have your CD collection and I would listen through all of it especially the Marshall Mathers LP or maybe it was the Slim Shady LP but I love that one but Mm -hmm. um, that was probably like the first time that I'd looked back for older music and stuff too and now a lot of the stuff I listen to is 80s 60s and 70s I mean well yeah because you're being exposed to newer things and different things uh, when I'm sure when you were just out at Arkansas uh, with Will, oh, he yeah. pointed you in a whole Man. new direction of genres and Great songs stuff. and bands. And That's really why I wanted to go up there, because I know he's like that about music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could have stayed in his, um, I could have stayed in his little office listening to vinyls just for the whole weekend. I think Pat was getting a little annoyed <laughs> because I wanted to, it felt like she wanted me to partake in the family stuff, too. Oh, well, she always does, but she can't always have what she wants, and she knows that. So. Oh, how's your toe? You almost, you broke it at the river or something. Oh, yes, yeah. I did break it. Um, it's better now. You did break it? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. For sure, for sure you did? Yeah, there was no doubt. Okay. I mean, I couldn't walk on it for three weeks, so yeah, yeah I was definitely broke. Um, yeah, it's better now. It's not... It's back to its normal color, mm-hmm. but I still don't have the mobility. Like, when I do certain stretches, it hurts, and I can't do it, and so I, I just slowly trying to get the full mobility back but i'm fine i knew i'd be fine and then how's your um how's your plant business going because you you did just she finally 
after forever, after I don't know how many, probably years at this point of trying to get out of this company, of trying to, you know, oh, I don't really want to be here anymore. And then some bad stuff happens, so she had to stay. But she's finally put in her, um, not really two weeks, but saying that she's... I'm not happy anymore. And she's it just, done. Yeah. It's over. I did. I, my boss, I wasn't... It's not you, it's her, but really it's them. <laughs> Not well. It's a com- combination of all of the things, and that's the way it normally is. It's not just one thing, or I wouldn't be leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. It's been 14 years. It'll be 14 oh, years, gosh. February 25th, I think. It's been a while. Yes. That's kind of weird to think about. But how... It's... She set it up. She was, she was trying to feel me out because she was wanting to take accounting from me, which is, which is what she wanted me to do because the person who was there was doing bad things. <laughs> and so she was like, I, well, and I know she didn't say these things, but I know how she feels. Mm-hmm. She's, I know she, I'm not her, her favorite person, but she knows I'm going to be honest and direct. And you so, both have strong personalities, and I've seen that clash a few times in person. Yes, of course. Um, and that's never going to change. No. And I'm, I'm not growing there anymore. I mean, I haven't, I'm an events coordinator. I haven't put on an event since like 2014, 2013. Well before the excuse of COVID. Oh, well before. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I mean, with dad's business, you don't need to work anymore. No, I know. And so she was trying to delicately ask, tell me. That since this accounting firm that I found, they can do it all for a whole lot less than what she pays me. And I'm like, and she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like. Leave. (laughs) I wasn't that. I was like, well, since you asked. And what's ironic is last week I put a date on my calendar last day at Dermascope. And I tagged um, Jeremy in it because he's been hounding me and pressuring me to get out of there and to just be done because he can keep me busy and get me on his payroll. Yeah. Anyhow, so I put it on both of our calendars and I was going to wait a couple more weeks to even talk about it to her with her. What day did you pick? Um, October. Well, I originally. So you're well ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, originally, it was going to be by my birthday, November 9th. Mm. And then as I started looking at the calendar, I was like, well. We should just do it the Thursday before, and yeah. then like, something on that day. And I'm like, okay, the third, anyhow. So it ended up being the end of October. Um, and then when she asked the question, I just, I've been praying about it. And I, I want to have the right words. I, I want to make sure that I'm not going to just drop her because I have been there so long. I am emotionally attached to a lot of it because it's been my livelihood. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has provided for you and for all these other kids I ended up having. Not necessarily through her, though. No, not at all. I mean, it was through her dad with yeah. Will, the guy we were just talking about that's in Arkansas. Um, and then, yeah, when he left, I mean, things had just changed. And I get I'm the reason he left because I said no more about these certain things that he was wanting to move forward with. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I wasn't ready at the time. Mm-hmm. And all he was wanting me to do, and while he didn't use these words, he wanted me to give my testimony for camps. Give your testimony. He wanted me camps. to tell my story at camp. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, my story about my mom and how I was raised with that, and then she died, mm-hmm. and I suffered for all these years. I mean, he was like coaching me, prepping me, trying to use certain terms and words so that I could pull on people's heartstrings. Yeah. Which I don't. I'm not that person. Yeah. I'm not scripted. Poor me, pity party. Yeah, no. Uh-huh. I've never been a victim. Of all the circumstances and things I've been in, I've never been a victim. I don't want to be a victim. That's not... No. No. You you get out of life what you put in. So, I'm not a victim. Can you just jump, man? <sighs> so, yeah. I don't know. 
I talking about? We were talking about... <laughs> oh, goodness. You've never been a victim. I don't know. I lost it. Yeah, me too. Your cat's so cute and distracting. I know. <laughs> Man. Um... We were talking about Will. We were talking, oh, your dermoscope and your finally Oh, leaving. yes, and me leaving. Yeah, so she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, long term, nothing at dermoscope. I'm not happy. I dread going in. I dread opening my emails because it's nothing but a mess. And as soon as I get one thing taken care of, or I think I do, there's like so many more. And I just, I, it's, I, yeah, I'm not where I was years ago. I mean, Will took very good care of us. He made sure if we ever wanted, needed. Anything. Yes. He's a very he, generous person If he general. couldn't say yes immediately, it was, we let's find a way. way. Yeah. yeah. Let's figure out a way. You can do this. I can do that. We'll put our resources together. He gave me work. I mean, I helped him move to Arkansas and back. Um, I mean, he did the same for Jeremy. When Jeremy stepped out of the work field and wanted to come back, he was like, hey, I can hire him. I can use him. So, I mean, he's very, yeah, like, generous. He's very generous. He's kind-hearted. He has struggled in life, and so he knows what it's like to somebody just needing a break is For basically sure. what it boils down to. And fortunately and unfortunately, she doesn't have that same experience. She doesn't know what it's like to be in need or not have anything, which is a great thing for parents to be able to say, my kids don't need things. Right. But, but it also doesn't give them any real life struggles to mm-hmm. help them have real life. That's a weird thing to think about. If you don't, if nothing goes wrong in your childhood, then you're left with this false hope or this false idea of people and things being perfect. See, and I was going to, even though nothing abruptly horrible ever happened to me even before I was really like you know middle school high school depressed and whatever even before that you just constantly told me life's not fair you drilled it into my head even before I really knew what it meant so it was never really a question it wasn't a surprise yeah Yeah. and I I don't remember ever saying it but if I did it was only for a while but I don't remember ever saying like that's not fair or you know you shouldn't do that. That's that's not how it should work because you told me that then. Well, that's because I wasn't told that. My dad tried to make life fair. Um, so anytime he bought something for one of us, he bought both of us the same thing. Y'all both got horses, right? Yes, that's Man. one of many examples, yes. And Must be nice. Whatever. I'm sure it's a big <laughs> chore. I can imagine. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, with uh-huh. this guy. Imagine the poo you got to clean up for this one. <laughs> Of course, it's kind of bigger and a lot more. So yeah, and that's not just one delegated to one space. No, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I wasn't told life wasn't fair, and it was the abrupt passing of your father that taught me that very, very humbling life lesson. For sure. And so I didn't want my own kids to be brought up thinking that everything's going to be perfect, everything's hunky-dory, and... Because it's not. That's unrealistic expectations, and that's setting them up for failure. Mm-hmm. So, I definitely agree. No, I'm trying to produce um, independent humans that will participate and contribute to society, not that are just trying to suck the life out of society. Right. Leech off of unemployment or whatever. Or other people or other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always been surrounded and been around people that I've seen doing those things. And I'm just, that's never been me. I could never be that person. Again, it goes back to being the victim. If you can't take ownership of wherever you're at and what's going on, then you're always subjected to your surroundings and what's going on. 
So I didn't ever want to be that person. One of the first lessons and one of the most important lessons Will taught me that has stuck with me is if you don't take responsibility for your actions, you, um, you can't get, change. Right. You get rid of the chance to grow and learn from it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, even in school, like, who did that? Uh, me, you know, I was never trying to pass it on to somebody else or something. And even, even sometimes when stuff wasn't my fault or if, if I could have gotten out of it, I'd take because. We could move on with the right. situation, yeah. Um, but after that dermoscope stuff, I wanted to talk about how's your plant business going? Because I remember you started that up a while ago, and you seemed pretty happy about it. Um, it has been pretty um, dormant and non-existent for the last... But I also don't post, and I also don't things to be proactive about it, because... That's what you gotta do. I know, and that's what I keep telling myself. And it did really good when I first started. I remember, I was I surprised. Mean, I didn't know hundreds of dollars of a month. Hundreds of dollars, just... I didn't know there was a market for plants. I didn't eat. either. Well, and I think that I'm learning the seasons and stuff, because... Now that it's hot outside, people aren't really working in the yard. They're not trying to make everything beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and before, Yeah, it's too hot. It's too miserable. They're not hanging out there. Um, and before, it was spring, and everything's coming to life, nice. so everybody's excited. For sure. Um, so Maybe I in feel the fall like, again. Yeah, I feel like in the fall. And then also, I'm going to be ready for outdoor plants next spring, because this spring, I was only doing my indoor plant stuff. Um, and by the time I got started on the outdoor plants... It was already past the season of everybody wanting that kind of stuff. So indoor plants are like potted plants. plants like this over here, and outdoor plants are like vines, shrubs, or what? Mm -hmm. Things that bloom during the summer with the heat. Yes. Oh, so like flowers and stuff too. Uh huh. Yeah. So now that you're leaving Dermascope, do you have plans to put more time into this, or do you have any ideas creatively, or how um, you're going to market? Or? I am definitely not going to stop, because it's therapy for me, playing in the dirt and growing things is therapy. And just having something to put all your time into and like see yes. a product from it. I love that. When um, my brain gets busy from all the chaos and the things that are going around and mm -hmm. around me, that's where I, I go outside and I play in the dirt, and I mess with my plants, and because it gives me peace and brings me back to being grounded with the earth and with the natural things. So definitely, um, I don't know how much more active. I mean, it's not going to stop. Obviously, I think I'm just going to um, more use it to encourage kids and young people. Uh, my churches want me to get more involved with the youth and start a discipleship with the girls specifically. Um, and so I'm thinking about you using say youth, that. Uh, what age? Sixth through twelfth grade. Okay. Um, just to get them... Cause when it starts to matter. Yes, when they start really starting to see and their eyes are open to all the things exactly. in life around them. They're no longer these blind, deaf, dumb people who think their parents are gods. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that <laughs> shifts much. real hard real fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I'm going to use it just as a, a tool so that we'll be working um, and be able to talk at the same time. And like you said, being able to see something grow from this small, from this color, to now it's this big and it's got these fruits. And now I can even eat this stuff. Right. Um, pretty cool. I feel like that's going to give them a, another perspective, a different way of looking at things in life. Of You have to put in the work and the labor to get the fruit. Man, I loved uh, Garden Club in high school. Initially, I only joined because a girl I liked was joining too, and I wanted to be around her, but... No one else really took charge or anything, and I'm very much, uh, I'll be the leader if no one else will, mm -hmm. so um, I loved sawing stuff, drilling stuff, making boxes, and um, yeah, it was really cool to see over time the garden grow, 
and there was that was just an empty lot before. So if I come back in ten or fifteen years, you know, maybe if my kids want to see my high school or something, hopefully that garden's still there, and I can be like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm one of the that. initial people. Mm-hmm. You can see that fence around it. You see the beehives on the corners. I talked about that. We we helped do that. All that mulch, that was a huge pile in the driveway, and yeah, so I definitely get that. Mm-hmm. Some uh, something to be proud of. Yep. Um, so I think either I'm going to definitely use it for that, but I also, I feel like any profits going forward that I make off of it, I'm going to put back into the community, back into our youth at church to help fund for whatever, just to keep them busy and to keep them occupied. Um, because in the last several months, we've been able to really get a good stronghold on our youth again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's starting to grow and it's starting to be consistent again because with COVID, we had a really decent-sized youth group before. Um, I wasn't involved with it, but Jonathan was in it. Um, but once COVID happened, it all kind of dissipated because parents are now scared. Kids no longer. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah I would have, too. So, yeah, we're just now starting to get back to um, having regular activities. Um, so, yeah. It's cool. I'm going to use it for them. Because I feel like that's where I can make the most impact, the most benefit in society is with young girls specifically. Um, Somebody needs to. Well, and the, the challenge is, is they're not taught their value or their worth. Um, most girls, at least from where I come from, aren't told they're beautiful unless it's by a passing car driving down the street honking and whistling at them. Um, which, yeah, exactly. That's... Uh, disgusting and insane when they're Weird. 12 and 13 year olds oh, walking wow. down the street. I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> no, I was yeah, absolutely. About ladies. Uh, well, it goes up into the teenage years, but the older they get, um, typically the more they're out there to get the attention. So I just want to make sure that they um, know their value and worth and that they don't just fall into the traps of what men and boys will say. Wasn't there some a girl at camp that you talked to or? Yeah, um, so I shared one part of my testimony. Um, about how I got brought back to the church and God um, at the campfire. And then the next night, um, Shane Pruitt was talking about identity in Christ and how important that was. And it really spoke to me. And what so, is that? like your identity with Christ? or Yeah, making sure that your identity is in Christ. Um, because our identities, we're told so many things throughout life. I mean, the first identity that I can relate to and remember. Um, mother? Yeah, being a motherless child. Oh. Yeah, being the motherless child, only having a father. Um, so then I was the girl in class who didn't have a mom. That's mm-hmm. how everybody knew me. Um, and then it turned I'm into... Huh? I'm seen. Yeah. I'm the kid with the name that no one can spell. or yes. And then I'm the kid with no dad. Yeah. And then I'm the... Um, oh, then I'm the sports star. Then I'm the workaholic. Then I'm the doing drugs person but, and then but the uh, idea is before all that yeah it, should be it gets your Christian. identity yeah solidified in christ because all, you're going to be so many different people the world is going to tell you i'm a mom i'm a sister i'm a daughter you're all these different people which you are all those different people but the one that matters the most is you are the daughter of god you are in christ jesus so knowing that and having that faith from firm foundation at such a young age, it could help alleviate some of these problems and things that happen to these girls that are self-inflicted or self-induced. I get we can't 
stop things that are circumstantial, Mm -hmm. but we can make them see themselves differently so that they carry themselves differently and act differently and just respect themselves, honestly. Then they won't get into situations. Right. And so I told our youth, our girls one night um, after that service, I talked to with the pastor. I was like, hey, I'm feeling like I need to talk to the girls, just us by themselves. He was like, if you're being told to do that, (laughs) you feel it? He was like, absolutely. Go ahead. I would have been the first to be, okay, I don't want any part of that. Girl talk, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you just, you talk differently when it's just with girls as compared to him with the boys. Same, yeah, yeah. with the guys. So um, I did, I talked to him and told him a different part of my testimony. And I first asked them, who are you? I was like, I want to know who you guys are because you have a belief of who you are now. So I went around the room and I said, who is Ella? Who is Sharon? Who is Catherine? Who is all the different girls? That's an interesting question to ask a young person because... I had no idea who I was back then, so I'm sure the answers were, how were they, I mean, not specifically, of course, but were they, a like, lot of solidified, them, or did they kind of scattered? Or it it was very scattered. It was very over here, over there, which, I honestly, I was expecting the church answers from the church girls, because yeah. three of the four... Like, believer or something like that? They're raised in it. Mm-hmm. Their fathers are pastors. So I, I, I feel like my expectation was I was going to get the right answer from them. And so I asked those girls last. I picked the right, the specific order as I went around the room. Because I also know that kids will hear something from somebody else and say that same thing because they don't know what else to say. Or um, just because they're lazy and... Don't want to put any effort. Right. But yeah, I, would assume, I would assume everybody <laughs> at a church camp is there for church. Don't assume that. Okay. Don't assume that. No. Uh, because it's all about the leadership. If the leaders aren't making it about that, then the kids are going to be kids. The kids are going to be worried about that boy over there that's winking at them or has his hat turned sideways right. or <laughs> all the stuff that the little teeny boppers and teens do. Ugh. Um, so yeah, I, I told her my story, a portion of it, and I w- made sure that they knew that the whole point of my story was their identities. I said, each one of you said you were somebody different. I said, but the real truth is, is you're all daughters of Christ. You're all sisters and brothers in Christ. I said, assuming that you all have accepted Jesus and you understand and you believe, I said, then we're all the same. And I want you to know these things because if I have some information that's going to help you make better decisions in life, then... That's what I've realized through my journey is all the things I've gone through, they weren't for naught. They weren't for nothing. There's a purpose. Do I know what all of it yet is? No, of course not. But as I'm going, I'm starting to see things are, like Will used to say, do you have a globe around here? If you have a globe, I'm going to be so shocked. It's right there. Uh, yeah, of course so. I keep it around. He gave he gave us all the same globe. So it's really, it's just about me being able to see it from a different perspective um, than what I had before. So I really feel like that's where life is taking me at this point which is also another reason why i need to be out of dermoscope because dermoscope is only about dermoscope see um we've been we've talked about this a few times and when you talk about your job at dermoscope even though it's something that you clearly aren't passionate about not anymore yeah right yeah yeah but i mean currently you're not passionate about you don't really i mean it's not what's on your mind when you're going to bed at night but I do my best to keep it off of my mind because I try to separate myself from it because there was a time where I couldn't do that. But it has been intentional. That's my point is that you, it sounds like you tried so hard to get away from it in every other aspect, but you're still stuck working there. So that's why I was, I've always been, you know, when are you going to, especially now that we are financially stable. Well, it's a comfort zone because I've always had an hourly job. I've always been able to depend on 
that check. Mm. And like I said, that's been my livelihood for almost 14 years now. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, the consistency. Sure. I mean, being able to know that I'm always, as long as I work this many hours, I'm going to get this fine. amount of pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's the way I was taught. That's the way I was raised. My dad was always, you've got to have a job. You've got to have a job. And while he was an entrepreneur for a portion of his life, the majority of it, he wasn't. He was an entrepreneur? Yeah. He Is had his concrete? own concrete business. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was his. Buddy. Mm-hmm. That's cool. There were partners in it. Um, How did that go? It went well for a couple of years, and then it went south, which is why it dissolved. Um, and it was because of the partner. Yeah. He had bad habits and wasn't responsible with the money they were making, and that he sucks. suffered because of it. Yeah. Um, but that makes sense. I remember my first job at Chick-fil-A. I don't think I ever would have left if they never fired me, even though I was only getting paid seven fifty. And immediately when I went to Buffalo, they started me at eight fifty. But just, yeah, the, I liked the people there. Yes, I was comfortable. And so. That's right. And I've loved working there. I mean, I've done so many different things, and I've gained so many new experiences, and I wouldn't trade a day for it mm-hmm. because I have grown. But at this point, I'm not growing anymore. I'm stagnant, and I'm, I'm just being shoved from one place to the other to put out fires. I'm no longer, I don't feel productive. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm doing anything by the end of the day. I was going to say, I feel like we're different overall when it comes to our jobs. Uh, I said this before because um, if I don't really care about the job, then I it doesn't stress me out if something bad happens or something goes wrong. I'm, I'm just as content putting you know half effort in if it's something that I don't care about overall. Like Buffalo, towards the end, I was just had doing what I needed to do to get my check, really. And um, But home inspecting, this is a job that I like, and um, I'm grateful that I have it because I realize how easy it is compared to other stuff that I could Mm -hmm. be doing. So I'm more than willing to put 100% in. But um, the way you explained it, you've just always put in 110% every job you've had. And that sounds exhausting to me. (laughs) Um, It's a character. It's a type of person that is that way. And, yeah, it doesn't matter if I'm making $10 an hour or $35 an hour. I work how I work. I don't alter the way I move based on how I'm being compensated. Well, it's not, it's not necessarily, for me, it's not compensation. It's um, just how much I care, how much I, you know, how, how important it is to me. I that, mean, things of the heart, I will go, I'll go past my comfort zones, of course. But for sure. anything else, I mean, at this point, I don't really differentiate. Mm-mm. Mm, I mean, I just, I work how I work. It doesn't matter what environment. I just, do you, I have one speed. Yeah. Do you enjoy working at the fair? Because <laughs> you said you were going to do that this year. Do you, do you enjoy? I do. Okay. I, I do enjoy the fair. I enjoy the energy. I enjoy the people. Um, I worked there for three years, the year before you were born. And then the two years after, and then I had this big gap of not and how did you because you started working there a couple of years ago again so how did that happen did they reach out did you reach out do you remember um i'm sure i reached out to them because yeah i mean like i said i didn't have a cell phone way back then so they couldn't have had my number and if they did it would have been the home phone from pleasant grove at poppy's <laughs> house so long gone yeah um i'm certain i reached out to chuck and linda um they're the ones who managed the stand uh when i wanted to get back and just I just wanted some extra money yeah and I knew that uh, when you get a check from there it's a nice size check because you get paid at the end mm-hmm. all uh, at once yeah so yeah I love the fair the, the energy the people mm-hmm. I love walking around the smells I know a lot of people are grossed out by all the smells and don't get me wrong there are some bad so, ones yeah definitely <laughs> but 
I don't mind the smell of fried stuff. Everything fried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I miss it. I didn't get to go last year or the year before, so I'm definitely hoping I get to this year. Um, mm-hmm. Then you get the guy, the people that work the machines to like trade you food for prizes. Or oh whatever. yes, the carnies, yeah. the guys who run the games outside. Yeah. Um, so every day we have tons of food left over. Obviously, we can't sell everything. We Dad tried. used to bring home trays of fried food after. I was I so grateful. We tried to um, monitor cooking and stuff, but you just end up anyway. So we go feed them. They're like, hey, we have extra hamburgers and hot dogs or chili or whatever we have. And um, they just, they're like, here, you want a stuffed animal? We'll trade kind of thing. Heck yeah, that's cool. And then once I realized that was a thing and people did it, I was like, hey, you've got this Pikachu up here that my kids would really love. And I work in here. So can we Mm -hmm. negotiate and make that happen? You get full and my kids get happy. Right. So, and don't get me wrong. Some of them have said no. I'm sure. But the ones, yeah, but the ones who have been there and are used to know how to play the system. They're just there to be there. Yeah. Yeah, They're like, yeah, of course. Uh, you have to make sure that this person isn't around when you come, but yes, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> the manager or whatever. Uh-huh. Most of the time they would just bring it to the, they were like, which one do you want? And I would point at it and then they would just bring it to me after the fact or whenever it was safe for them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're like, okay, bring, when your kids are coming, cause they always know I take my kids once a year. Yeah. Um, when your kids get here, bring them over here and I'll make sure they walk away with something. So That's cool. we've done both. Do you have any like disaster stories or funny stories from the fair? Anything that sticks in your mind? Um, Texas OU is my favorite day. <laughs> and these people go hard the yeah. moment they walk in. I mean, they do open the fair early on Texas OU weekend, 8 a.m. These people walk up, can I get two beers? And I'm like, did you eat breakfast? <laughs> because <laughs> Probably not. Make it, it is, work faster. It is 8 a.m. and you are already fixing the start. Dude, you're going to be done by lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was, oh yeah, um, two years ago, there was one guy, a lady, I'm guessing they were married. They came up and I could tell they were already sloshed. Yeah. And he was In like, um, it was probably lunchtime or okay. it was mid afternoon at that point, but they had clearly been drinking all day. Yeah. I mean, he walked up and he was like, I need to get some food in us. And I was like, good idea. Yeah. That's and fair. his wife, I'm telling you, I didn't get so much, get that first chili cheese dog sat down before she started wolfing it in her face. <laughs> he reached down, she went to give him a bite and she got it on his face and then she walked up and licked it off of his cheek. No. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening right That's now? That's disgusting. Well, I was like, can I get you another fork? A napkin, maybe? <laughs> um, anyhow, he was like, oh, well, he actually asked me for alcohol first, and I told him no. Nice. And I was like, but, I was like, if you'll eat something, and he was like, I'm not hungry. And I was like, I don't care. I can't. I'm not going to serve you. Look at you. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm not even going to charge you for it. I'm going to give it to you for free, because I really, you need to eat something. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, he's like, okay, thanks. I really appreciate it. Can I get two bottles of water, too? And I was like, excellent idea. Yep. Yes. For there sure. We <laughs> well, the guy's in line behind. He's like, did you really just give them that free food? And I was like, did you see the state they were in? <laughs> I was like, yes, I did. And he was like, and your manager's okay with that? I said, he's right here if you want to talk to him. A guy in line? A guy in line, yes. He was so Screw concerned. Screw off. Well, when the couple finally made their way away from the counter and went to go sit down, the guy missed the seat. And, you know, they're picnic table style seats in there. Pretty so, big, yeah. yeah. And when he hit the floor, he looked up and saw that I was looking over at them. And so he came back and he was like, I bet that just made you happy to realize that you just didn't serve me. And then I did that. You're probably happy you didn't serve me now, aren't you? 
And I was like, sir, I have no opinions about the matter. (laughs) I was just concerned to get some food in you. So I'm sorry. I didn't. Man. Yeah, and he went out of his way to after he, he made sure it did. Him, so. He sure did, and I was like, "Dude, I'm so sorry." Right. So that was fun. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the last day of camp, uh, camp of the fair, two years ago, the last time I was here, mm-hmm. it uh, there was going to last day's tornado. So it was raining a downpour, and everybody is trying to like close up and get things prepped yeah, because there's a tornado. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the people that were attending the fair wouldn't care that there's a tornado, and they're like, "No, it's the last day. You're supposed to stay open." And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. uh." Right. And so they were like, "Melissa, go get rid of the tickets. Go cash them in so we can be done." And I walked is out. Is that how it works? Yes, all the tickets. Yes, they weigh them okay. at the end of the day. They dump them into um, that's fast trash bags. Than a ticket muncher. They don't count them. <laughs> no, they weigh them. And so even on days when it rains, they're like, "Hey, y'all need to set those tickets out and let them dry out some because that make affects the weight." I was yes. gonna say, could you soak them or something, or they would yes, shake? Yes, that is very much frowned upon. But yes, I'm certain that that is done at some point. Prob- most likely. Yeah, so I went to go do that, and as soon as I turned around, I went to take off running because it was raining, and I was trying to get back over here, and I slipped, and my foot came out from underneath me, and I busted my knee, and I immediately jumped up, and four guys came running over to me as the rain is pouring down on me, and they're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I'm fine, and once I got back into my stand, somebody's like, hey, you didn't leave like that, and I was like, what are you talking about? And I looked down, and my leg, it was bleeding, and- uh, one of the girls was like, I'm a nurse. Let me clean it up. I was like, I'll be fine, really. Yeah. No big deal. We don't deal. need your professional advice. <laughs> well, one of the other guys in the stand, he's a fireman. He's older gentleman. He didn't ask me. He walked up and he was like, let me see that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. I would have shown him. I was like, okay. And so yeah. I tried to pull my, I couldn't get my, I was wearing cutoffs. And I couldn't get it above my knee. It ripped my pants. And so Uh I was like, well, they're already ripped. It's already bloody anyway. So I just pulled it open some more. And he was like, yeah, you've got dirt in that. Come here. And so he sat me down and cleaned it out. And the girl looked over and she's like, you wouldn't let me do it though. I was like, you asked. And I didn't need it done. But he he had authority. Yeah. Yeah. I would (laughs) have. So I know she got a little offended, but whatever. whatever. Yeah. I'd rather let him do it too. He probably has more experience. Uh, Definitely for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's a fireman out of uh, Richardson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he still is. He's a great guy, too. I've met a lot of great people in the fair. That's why I love it, because they're all genuine. They're hardworking. Again, we don't make a killing out there, hourly at least, but because of the energy and the personalities and the characters, it's so much fun. It just flat, uh, yeah. passes by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked about being in the kitchen, at least, at Buffalo. A lot of cool characters to talk to. It's a lot of people watching from the stand that I'm in, um, yeah. in the food court. So, And I have air conditioning, so I'm not... That's nice. I'm not sweating. I couldn't imagine. It's really hot this year. It was like 100 when I got in my car to come back over here. Mm-hmm. Well... There's lots of stories. Yeah. Um... How or how is it going with Jonathan right now? Is he like in the teenage like funk? You know, because I remember it was pretty bad between us back then. Is it kind of similar with him, or is he different? Um, no, his circumstances are completely different. Um, while he does have some of the similar awkwardness going on at school, I mean, it's middle school. Yeah. But he doesn't have the whole. I mean, when you were at that age, that was when Paul had passed, and that puts you in a funk and. You think that was what it was? Oh, it was absolutely a contributing factor. Absolutely, yes. Because he was your world. He was your, I mean, you went there every weekend. You, he was like, 
we've already said he was at every event that you ever did. I mean, I don't, I didn't ever really, I wasn't conscious of that if that's what it was for me at the time. Oh, it could not have, yeah, it has to have played a part because similar to when your dad was taken from me, your world was shattered. It completely changed the person that you called on, the person that you talked to, the person that you spent your time with, I mean, was no longer there available. Yeah. So, and it was at that awkward stage and phase where you're changing, changing and figure out yourself. Yes. And that's why with Jonathan, um, I've got him in a discipleship with, uh, an older guy from church, Ted. You said Um, he was, he was really into crafts and stuff, right? Yes. Because Jonathan loves fidgeting with stuff. He's always liked, he's he's always kept trash around the house and recycled stuff to build and make and (laughs) yes. Good gosh. Yes. Yeah, um, Ted is a, I think he's a jeweler by when he was, his trade. Um, That's but cool. He's got many skills and talents. He's done lots of stuff. Um, and he did, he just has a very calm energy and just a very, he seems like he had a very sweet soul and personality. It sounds like Jonathan. And I knew I needed, yes. And somebody else had asked if they could disciple Jonathan and... So it's like a one-on-one thing? or One-on-one or two-on-one, normally. It's like a mentorship? Yes, basically. It's, it really is It's a Christian mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, so as life happens, as challenges come up, um, you talk to them about it, and there's always scripture that can relate to something of what's going on in your life. And that's the greatness, is they're always pointing me to and pointing us to scripture. While they give us their opinion and their what they think and how they feel, well, let's look and see what God says about it. Let's see what the Word says. Um, and then we make our decisions based on that. Um, so being that we don't have a strong spiritual leader in our house, I'm the spiritual leader. That's supposed to be the man's role in life. Um, but Jeremy's not there yet. And I'm going to be patient because it took me 17 years to come back and I knew God. So I have no rights or reasons to pressure him or force him to do anything until it's right for him. Mm-hmm. So if it takes him 17 or 25 or if it never happens, I mean, I can't. It will break my heart, but it's his decision. I can't force him to do it. And if I force him to do it, it won't be real. Anyhow, so knowing that Jonathan doesn't have that spiritual leader in his life, I've known and come to learn the importance of discipleship. So I wanted Jonathan to have somebody, and I felt like this guy had the perfect temperament for Jonathan's sweet little personality and sweet little heart, and so far, so good. I'm glad. I remember at camp, Jonathan asked if, or at when we went to Arkansas, Jonathan asked if I could, if I wanted to go to camp with him, and I said no, and he said why, and I said, well, because I don't believe in God, but I was quick to follow it with, but that's okay, because, I mean, as even even though we might not believe the same thing, I definitely didn't want to discourage him from, um, you His know, own beliefs. Exactly. Yeah. Because, um, just like today, because I don't go to church or whatever, I'm still going to go and, you know, support you for your baptism because um, it's important to me exactly and if it makes your life better then that's something that I want to support because it means a lot to you and the same with him I mean if he ever asked me what I thought I would be honest but I would never um, like downplay it for him you know because I realize that I am someone they look up to as much as I might not like that sometimes Oh, you've despised it your whole life. I, now yeah. you're a little open to the thought and the idea, but before you were completely against any part or thought or inkling of a thought. <laughs> I remember the the time that it felt like it was the most 
I guess, overbearing weight on my shoulders was when, um, shortly after I started smoking, um, actual weed because before I start, I was smoking carts, which if you're not buying them from a dispensary, you probably shouldn't be smoking them. They're most likely fake. I definitely smoked a few fake carts, which I didn't care back at the time, but that's definitely something you should be wary about. But this was right after I started smoking flour and me and Julian were smoking outside and, uh, Grady was in the backyard and, you know, being nosy, I guess he heard us talking or whatever, and he came out and saw it, and I just felt, I felt super guilty in that moment, because I didn't, for, for all my life, knowing that you and Dad smoked, which, I'm sorry if you don't want people to know, but we can edit it out or whatever, but knowing that you guys smoked, it, it always made it something that I didn't want to do, because it was presented to me in a negative connotation, um, which now, of course, having experienced it, it's, um, definitely a positive thing in my life i mean it it does with moderation of course because if i smoke too much it'll be too expensive or uh, won't get anything done yeah. right exactly so like times when i have needed to get important stuff done i've taken breaks which when it was necessary but my point is i didn't want to um put that in a positive light to him i didn't want to make him think you don't want to glorify it right exactly exactly that was what i was just super worried about in the moment so i hope i haven't done that in any way but um, I don't even remember how I got onto that, but I, I, yeah, I remember feeling horrible, but I, not enough, I didn't think I should talk to him about it either. Like, Hey, you shouldn't. Well, the good thing about kids, especially young kids is they're not bashful about asking questions, especially, especially Grady, <laughs> no, especially Grady. Grady is, he is Mr. Confrontation and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> I I don't know what he's going to do, but I feel like he's going to do something special because he's really smart. He's really adamant to, like like you said, confrontational. He's also built kind of big, so he might be into football or something. But I feel like out of the kids, he's the most similar to me. He is definitely the most... Um... Yes, and I've started telling people that I think it is very unfair that I got very headstrong kids on both ends. Most parents only get one within their little group of kids, yeah. and I ended up with two. So I'm like, that's not really fair. Thanks, God. <laughs> I'm not real sure about how that worked out. You got but one to start it off and one to finish it I'm out. I'm telling you, and I do believe he is going to do something great. I don't know what it is or how, or but yeah, I mean, he defied medical intervention to get here. <laughs> um, and not him. God, it was intentional. That's that was one of the things that I learned in camp is everything is intentional. Nothing is by accident. Nothing is coincidence. See, you told me that before, but if I sat down and tried to find a meaning behind everything, I feel like that would just be exhausting mentally. It could be, and that's why you don't really worry about you worry yourself with it. You just let life play out, and then it starts to expose itself. You start to see things without even having to look. Okay, it's just making yourself aware and being sensitive and open to those types of things. I think, sorry to go back to the kids, I think Jonathan is going to do something with his hands probably. I think he's going to be like... Oh, he's going to, yeah, he's going to create things, he's going to make things, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. something, yeah, and probably do that as a hobby and stuff, woodworking. I, I, I don't know how much he did at Will's shop, but I hope 
maybe he goes back up there and does more because I think that'd be cool for him. Well, and he does lots of crafting with Ted too, except mm-hmm. it's with metal and laser machines, and because he's got all this stuff. So in his is house. it still? Do you know if it's still with your hands? Oh or? yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's already brought back. I mean, he made himself a cross. Um, he made a ring, and it's got all these different types of stones and. That sounds cool. Yeah, he cracked that ring, and Ted told him, he was like, hey, um, make sure you be easy on it, because we haven't put that center piece in, the silver mm-hmm. piece or whatever, to help sturdy it, it up. Around. Yeah, and sure enough, he cracked it and broke it before the day was over, and so they took it back. Another yeah. one. They're gonna Well, they're going to repair it. He can repair it. That's He's a cool. jeweler, so he can... Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Something he made from scratch. They literally, they draw it on paper, and they have to draw it 3D so that they can see it in all the different directions. How big it'll be. Uh-huh, and, and then they craft it and make it out of whatever the materials is he has at his house. That's pretty cool. I know. Will, I started to do the same thing, but I don't remember why I stopped working with Will, like, originally when I was younger. But we started to do the same thing. I was going to make a knife in his shop, but... I was going to say, I think it would be cool for him to do woodshop with Will, but I also don't know how their personalities would interact at all. Because at, at Arkansas, I felt really, maybe not uncomfortable is the right word, but whenever the kids would say something and Will would respond, because, you know, he's he's, he's philosophical. over their head. And oh, yeah. Like, I remember Will said something. I don't remember what he said, but Jonathan or Grady said, that's what Poppy would say. And um, he said, well, I'm just an old man saying the same old shit as any other man, right? And they were like, yep, I get it. uh-huh. He was like, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> because they don't get it. And no. So I don't know how that would work out. <laughs> I mean, they spent the afternoon in the shop, and he made him a knife, and they did make knives that day when we were in Arkansas and carved his name in it or his yeah. initials and wrapped it with certain stuff. And That was pretty cool. So, yeah, I think Will has the capabilities and the um, intellect to be able to adapt to the different personalities and characters, unlike my father, who is not really willing or able to. That's what I was going to say. I don't think he even wants to try. Mm -mm. Me, I think I got lucky because I was just always, I mean, around the age I started hanging around him again, I was self, very self. um, Sufficient. Yeah, that's the word. Mm -hmm. And that's what he always said. He said, you can go in there and keep yourself entertained and it doesn't bother me. Well, that's what he said with you. Now with the other ones, he won't even know. That's babysitting. I did my time. I'm not babysitting. I'm like, it's spending an hour or two with your granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you can tell him to come over to the house. Because I don't remember the last time he came over unprovoked. No, he doesn't do that. He used to every now and then. I'm pretty sure. I remember he would come over with, um, give us candy or donuts or sodas or something. Mm -hmm. But no. Yeah, it definitely hasn't been... It's been a while. Well, I mean, COVID, I mean, he was already pent up with anxiety and stuff. And with COVID, it's just Worse. tripled it. Yeah. yeah. So he really doesn't get out. He did admit the other day, though, that um, he went to a store just to get out of the house because he had been there so long. He was so sick of seeing the same walls. And I'm like, you can come over to my house. You can mm-hmm. come play in the garden with me. You can come watch the chickens play. You can. I was going to say, because he, he went to church for mom's uh, baptism this morning and then I drug. I had to drag him back to the house to download the podcast stuff because his phone signal is not good enough to do it anywhere else. But he was over there, and we were outside, and then everybody else got back, and him and Dad and Nana and me were all talking. And then I went inside, and he said he was going to leave. So I was like, okay, I love you, bye. I hugged him. I went inside, and I came back out like 10 minutes later, and he was still sitting there talking to Dad about something. I don't know, but 
That's the first time I've ever seen them to carry on about anything. It's been a long time. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't remember what happened. I'm, I, I know Dad's never really liked going over to, to Poppy's house. I don't well, re- it's awkward for a man to do work at another man's house. Yeah. Unless they're like contracted and paid to do that type of stuff, but mm-hmm. for. At least with our, the two guys in my life. Poppy's really hard-headed. It was hard for me to cut tree limbs down the other day. You had to be an inner, intermediate and stop all the drama. Yeah. So, yeah, that started because there was a problem with the plumbing and the sink or something, and he wanted Jeremy to come check it out and fix it. Well, the pipes are all old, and Jeremy is very particular on when he will work on Anything plumbing related. I was going to say, he's very quick to say he's not an electrician and he's not a plumber. That's right. And when Jeremy went in there, he also was burdened because I asked. It was one of those times where I was like, hey, can you go take care of this? And that's part of the reason why I stopped farming him out and offering him up to people is because of that whole scenario. You did that to me sometimes, too. It's not a nice feeling. I know. And I don't do it anymore. So I've learned. I've grown. woo Anyhow, so that's what started it, though, is Jeremy went over there with an attitude, and Poppy could feel that he felt like a burden, and so from then on, he didn't want anything to do with Jeremy if Jeremy was going to make him feel that way, and I don't blame him, but he's also very hard-headed and stubborn, and (laughs) we're all human, and we all make mistakes, and we all have bad days, and maybe Jeremy didn't get fed on time that day oh or something goodness. and so who knows yeah dad and his <laughs> spawn are so <laughs> weird they if they're hungry they get angry I'm, I, they're the only people i know that are like that it's a it's lawrence hangry thing. you get hangry hungry and angry well, yeah but i always thought that was just a joke but dad will you can actually you can see it and the watch change the in change. his attitude yes. yeah when he's hungry he just He's a lot more gruff and yeah. short. And, and Jonathan gets emotional. He'll start... He cries. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. He gets... This is the end of the world. I'm, I'm like, I can tell him to pick up the water bottle. Why do you hate me so much? Why do you make me do everything? I yeah. mean, it just, it really goes from left to right are real the other, fast. Are the other kids like that? Not really yet. Noticed. Not that I, Not like those two are. Mm-hmm. No, those two are something special. And sometimes I worry about those two because it... They're just two completely different breeds. Dad doesn't really know how to talk to people in, in a, well, one, in an emotionally nice way, uh, an emotionally sensitive way. And also, he doesn't really, like, for me, it was a big block between us that he couldn't, he wouldn't talk to me like I was one of you guys, you know, like I was a person. He, he talked to me like I was stupid a lot. And I don't know if it was intentional or maybe because I was just a kid, but it, it I didn't I didn't have the words to express that that was the problem, so I just stopped talking to him. I just you know, okay, he's talking, he's talking. Okay, he walked away. I can go on. But eventually, I, I realized like that was the issue. He wasn't talking to me like I was a competent human being. Um, but I, I feel like he still does that with them sometimes. And I don't know if it's gonna take them, you know like growing up and maturing but i i think that's a big blockade between him and jonathan it's just Mm -hmm. his communication issues well it's because his version of motivation isn't everybody else's version of motivation while he thinks the words that he's saying should motivate you to move faster move differently do things differently it really is just defeating and makes you want to just stop because what's the point Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's the way I start feeling when he's trying to motivate them. <laughs> Man, that's exactly what I did. That was my coping mechanism to like deal with him is like, I'm just not going to respond. Yeah, no response is better than any response because if you respond, he's just going to keep going. Uh-huh. Oh. He's very long-winded. Yeah. While he'll never spank y'all, he's very long-winded. Man, there was, I was about to say, I mean, not to throw dad under the bridge because he, he's a great person. I love him. I mean, I love spending time with him, especially now. I feel like we connect over more things and have oh, yeah. more stuff to talk about than ever. But I do remember one time I was in my room playing games and Grady was younger i don't remember how old but he was being a little pain in the yeah in the rear and i guess dad had just lost it i'm assuming you definitely weren't home because he never loses it when you are home because you deal with the majority of the stuff i feel like but um he lost it and i just heard him wailing on grady's butt from the bathroom the bathroom's right next to my room and i heard it and it was for uh, like longer than I felt necessary, and at the time, like we've said, I really didn't, I didn't give two thoughts about my siblings really, in in most cases. But th- this made me concerned, and Grady was crying, and Dad was I don't remember if he was yelling or not. He was probably just uh, you know how his voice gets. But I said like, "Hey man, that's enough. Like you need to stop it. That you, what what's the point at this point? Because." Mm-hmm. When dad gets upset and when he's trying to get them to understand something, he'll just keep saying it and saying it and be, why don't you understand? Like, he's a kid. He's not, he can't understand that yet. But uh, the point is, um, I I was so upset that I felt like saying something. And then he came into my room and kind of like, I don't know, it felt like he was just getting his anger out on me. He was like, oh, now you want to say something? Like, now you want to care? Or now, um, I was like, yeah, man, you're doing this and then um well what would you do or, like you're not a parent type stuff mm-hmm. anyway i do remember that as one time that dad lost uh control I would cool. say. <laughs> yeah no definitely and then later i heard that nana uh, grady had gone to nana's after that and nana saw a handprint on his butt and, oh no yeah she didn't have the story to accompany it so i told her whenever but yeah that was mm-hmm, that sucked yeah it happens, though. I get it, especially with Grady, man. Grady, I can't tell Grady anything. He will not listen. He's so hard-headed. And... Oh, and that mouth on him, too. <laughs> He's, He's so ready to say anything. He's the only one of my four that I've spanked with a belt. A belt? Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago, either. What'd he do? He just kept running his mouth at me, and I told him. I was like, you better stop. You need to stop talking. And he didn't start stop talking, and I sent him to his room. And the whole way into his room, he was talking and running his mouth. <laughs> And I walked yeah. in, I was like, if you have something to say, say it to me now. And of course he did, yeah. because I told him to. Yeah, of course, he and doesn't know. And he didn't say anything nice, and so I walked myself back in the room and picked up a belt and went back in there, and I got him on his leg twice. That's crazy. He said, I told him, turn around. Mm-hmm. I got him once, and he swipped, and I got him on his leg the second time. But I only hit him twice. Yeah. I also realized... I've come to realize not to spank or discipline when I'm mad because you do go overboard. So I wasn't angry with him when I did it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I've been warning you. I've been warning you. It sounds like he earned it. but that <laughs> Oh, he did. That's That was a shock mm-hmm. to me because, I mean, I never got spanked with a belt. No. I don't remember getting spanked very often. I remember Dad spanked me a couple times. And then one time he spanked me and I just didn't cry and that was the end of it. Yep. No, I always spank with my hand. That way I can judge and I have... 
if they're hurting, I'm hurting too, kind of thing. Because yeah. my hand, after I spank y'all, it's stinging. It's I, hot. It's right. I feel it too. I'm not going. The belt I didn't feel after I spanked it with the belt. But, <laughs> I'm sure you felt yeah. something like, "Yep, he got it this time." I mean, I'm I, walked I out with it over your shoulder. No, <laughs> I had a, an emotional response, but I, again, I had told him and told him and told him, and See, at and some point, thing. I have to act, or I'm gonna not. He's just going to keep doing it He's because, gonna oh, mom's going to yep, right. mom's gonna say it 17 times before she's going to respond or before she's going to lose her cool. Definitely. So I'm not trying to, my whole goal is for all of y'all to be productive people, independent people. I don't want you to have to count on anybody. I want you to be able to do your own thing, you're, take care of yourself. You're a quarter of the, a quarter of the way there so I know. Yep. I can just get the others out too and on their own. I will consider it a success. That's a lot to think about, man. How old? Grady's six? He's eight. Nuh-uh. His graduation year is 2031. Oh. I know. Uh, we got their class schedules the other day, and I was looking around and happened to see his graduation year. I'm like, what is that? Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Ten yeah. years. Yeah. Just thinking about all the stuff he's going to go through, because, I mean, I... All the stuff I went through, even if it's not the same or similar, I mean, just all the experiences. That's well, this is really what's going to shape who he's going to be for ever, you know. Well, most kids, their personalities and their are shaped by the time they're five or six, and then that just keeps growing. I definitely, I feel like my personality was shaped a lot by middle school and not really knowing who I am and kind of just going with that. I don't. I. Don't, I mean. What was I like as a little kid? I don't really remember. Uh, you were very headstrong. You were very verbal. You were very... I also didn't talk to you like a baby. Um, Good. One thing I, I hate it when people do that. Well, one thing I did wrong is because you were an only child and because I was single, I negotiated with you. I would be like, hey, what do you want to do today? Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Were you thinking about this or how are you thinking about that? Like what? Like what I, I ate to eat or what? Everything. You were the person I went to to have conversations with because, I mean, you were, I mean, besides my dad, I mean, yeah. I didn't really, I wasn't dating, I didn't date a whole lot of people. I didn't, I had a focus on making sure this kid was taken care of. And I mean, I was in your, when you started talking, I was in your face constantly having you repeat the words over and over and over until you could say it properly and enunciate correctly. So <laughs> I know to this day when I misspeak and you fix and correct me, I know it's because of me. I did it to you. So it's coming back on me. Man, I remember I would do that to teachers too. I can't tell you how many phone calls I got from teachers about you and that mouth. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, kind of not sorry, but was he right? I mean, explain the situation. I mean, he was right. <laughs> I'm sorry you were uncomfortable with a child correcting you. Yeah. I get you. He probably shouldn't have done it in that manner, but I was he was right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. What, yeah. I remember this one time in first or second grade, the teacher was handing out a paper, and after that, she explained it, and I was finished with the paper before she was done handing it out. And when she, as soon as she was done explaining it, I raised my hand to like give it to her, and she took it and threw it away because mm -hmm. she was mad at, at that I finished it. I didn't understand. I remember a teacher calling me and complaining that she couldn't get you to stop talking. He just he's distracting other kids at this point, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell, I'll send a book to school with him. You couldn't take a book to her room, and I was like. I'm sorry, what? The other teachers allow him when he's done with his work because he does finish a lot faster than the rest of the kids, and it's usually right. 
I said, but they he's allowed to read, and that keeps him from distracting right. all the other kids. That is what I did with all my time. I know. And she was like, I, he, he's not allowed to have that in my room. I said, then I can't help you. <laughs> right. Then you're being stupid. I can't help you. I'm, I, I can't physically be there. I'm not going to be there. And at that point in life, I mean, this had to have been second or third grade. And don't get me wrong. In kindergarten and first grade, every time the teacher was like, I can't get, can be quiet, I spanked you. Mm-hmm. Because that's the way I was taught. You spank kids when they are not obedient. I don't even sp- remember that. Uh, well, you got spanked many a days when you got home from school because you had a conduct mark. You didn't have the smiley face. You had the X or you had the whatever note was written there. I remember not being able to play video games and stuff. I don't remember being spanked. But, yeah, yeah, I spanked you. I spanked you many a times. That um, and then once I realized... Work, clearly. Well, <laughs> right. And, and also I realized that we're given verbal things for a reason. I mean, to use your words. And so I'd stop disciplining you because you were talking and... Instead, I tried to distract you or refocus you on something else because I didn't want to stifle the talking. I mean, I'm the one that created that. Here we are now. I mean, what would have happened? Oh, man, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, good times. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming up on an hour and 50. I remember you talking about how Josh's was two hours, and that just seems I know. I haven't listened to his so. either. I saw that this morning, and I was like, <laughs> have two hours at the moment yeah and the girl at work said um she was like well if you're listening to our podcast don't pause and play it over and because then you're uh, um uh, you're not a good listener you're uh distracted no you're a. Uh, there's a certain term she used anyhow she's like don't do that because that messes with our numbers <laughs> and so every time the company puts out a new podcast they're uh-huh. like hey y'all go listen to it download it so we can get our numbers yeah i'm over that too i don't listen to them i don't know them <laughs> Nah, I don't, you can break it up, you can listen to it however you want. Well, and I did, I got behind on a couple of them, and so I've had to play catch up here in the last week, and now you've released an episode every day, I'm like, how in the world am I going to get caught up now, if he just keeps releasing more and more? It was weekly, and I was like, I could do good with that. Yeah. And it wasn't until July when I got behind, because July was a very busy month. Well, and I've started releasing more guest episodes too, and this, yeah, this whole past week, which I didn't expect to happen, but it's been fun. I like, mm-hmm. I like talking to people, and I feel like I'm getting better at talking to people, if that makes sense, but just kind of like steering the conversation or knowing that if I say this, it'll get them to say that. Or, mm-hmm. um, the only challenge is when they're two hours long. It's really hard to hold somebody's attention for that long. I mean, think about the instant gratification world that we're in now. If they don't get their response in five to ten seconds, they've moved on somewhere else to where they can find it that quickly. So I do agree that the having guests on is great, but you, I would think that it needs to be like shorter segments, forty-five minutes max. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the ones that I see, at least in skincare industry, they're doing five to seven minute videos and podcasts. sitcoms whatever see that's um sessions i feel like that's not even long enough for people to get comfortable because julian and uh skylar they both talked about how they were kind of anxious and it took them a while for them to settle in and it really feel like a conversation but Mm -hmm. i don't know well that's when you start the conversation and once you start feeling like it's functioning and flowing right that's when you you hit record either that or you hit record in the beginning and you just cut out all the crap so people aren't bored and listening to y'all breathe or struggle to get (laughs) something combative going on yeah um, well, the way I've been ending these, like I said earlier, if you, what is one piece of advice that you want to give to all my listeners? What's something that you wish you would have known earlier in life or something that you'd like other people to know, you know something that you'd like to impart onto them that would, uh, make their day to day better? 
Um, I would say, I mean, the church answer would be, you know, follow Jesus, no God, that kind of stuff. But the real thing that I would want to say That's is what I was hoping for. whatever situation you're in, whether it's um, a good situation or a bad situation, especially for kids and young people, um, right now you're kind of a victim of your circumstances. You don't really have a whole lot of control, but know that that will change and you just have to get to that point in life. So hold on. Uh, make it day to day if that's where you're at in life. Just make it. And one day you'll be able to make your own decisions and your own choices. So if there are people that are making bad choices around you now, just know that one day you'll be able to correct that and do what you need to do and what you want to do. Um, just make sure that it's in the best interest of you and all your loved ones. That was awesome. And then one thing I want to ask, I don't know, I don't know how this will go. If one thing you would have told me like growing up, just looking back, I don't even know if that, because you've told me pretty much everything. I mean, as, as far as parents go, you've been pretty straight up honest about everything. But uh, You've always thrown questions at me, too, and I've always responded with, are you sure you want to know the answer? Because I am an honest person, and I am going to tell you the truth, and sometimes it's not pretty, and most of the time it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've just always wanted to make sure, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth, but do you really want to know the answer? And as you got older, you started to say no a lot more often. (laughs) I mean, that's because the subject started to change. And if you notice, the older I've gotten, I've started to throw that back at you. You've asked me questions, and I'm like, Mom, don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. Uh But nothing comes to mind. What was your question? Uh, Something you would tell a younger me. Just advice or something you would say. But you might have already said everything, so... Um, yeah, I've pretty much said what I felt like I needed to say in each moment as it is presented to me. I'm not really somebody who waits and builds this stuff up to, um, say things, so. Right. Um, something I would say to your younger you. Um, it would definitely have to be, I'm not always going to be your enemy. Because at some point, we couldn't even, like, look at each other across the room. We couldn't sit in the same room. And... That was hard because we went from this great relationship to us doing everything, always being together, to this separation. And I get it now. You were trying to find your own personality, your own independence because, again, I told you who you were. I gave you your identity. What do you mean? Well, I've always... When you started to flourish, when you started junior high, high school, that's when you started to come in your own personality. That's when you started to discover yeah, yourself. Yeah. And you weren't who I always told you you were. Well, well, I've always told you, oh, um, well, I've always told you how smart you are and how one day you're going to do great things because you've got this big brain that's capable of doing so much. And I've always hoped that you would do good things with it because you are given a, a gift that not a lot of people have. Um, not a lot of kids get to experience the things that you got to experience. And I'm not talking about life in general, but the way you viewed life, the way that you could see things. Um, School, for instance, I mean, you have this memory of you can read something and you don't have to study and you can go take a test and ace it. I mean, your SATs, which is like a seven or eight or ten hour test, you finished in like two and a half or three. Yeah, they wouldn't let me leave either. I mean, (laughs) it's stuff like that. And that has been going on your whole life. You've always been so much more academically gifted than anybody else that you've been around. But you were lazy because of it. Because you were so gifted and because you didn't have to work for it, it made you lazy too. As other people work their rears off to get some of those grades that you got sleeping 
in class. No joke. So, oh, I know. Your father was the same way. <laughs> I can tell you how many classes he just got up underneath the desk and fell asleep because he was tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it would just be to um, acknowledge and see what the gift is that you had been given so that you would utilize it instead of using it to be lazy or as an excuse that you could be lazy. Well, I don't have to do it because I already got it. I mean, I already know the answers. I've already read the book. I've already, I mean, that's the only thing that I would probably change or do differently or say differently or impart upon you. Uh, That enemy thing that, yeah, that did suck for a long time. And I'm glad that. Well, and it was Will, honestly, that was help coaching me in the background. And he also explained it to me a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think definitely the problem was that I was ready to go in and kind of do my own thing, and you were still, you know, I was still trying bear. to keep you all, yeah, right. under my wings. I'm trying to keep you safe and protected while you're trying to figure out who you are and assert some independence. And now I know that it's a good thing. And so I'm not like I, I'm not nearly as hard on Jonathan as I was on you just because I've lived the life now and I've learned that lesson and yeah, it didn't it get me anywhere. No. Mm-hmm. And it was just separation and years lost. So no, now, Oh, when we went to camp, there was a point and he was like, mom, mom, stop that. Jonathan. Yeah. What were you doing? Uh, probably sunscreen. I mean, if I had to take a guess, it was probably sunscreen or making sure his water bottle was full or who when, knows. When you were talking about separating the boys and girls, like not letting them flirt or whatever, I was thinking, man, you're just ruining camp. Man. Oh, I didn't separate them so they couldn't flirt. I just, I, I saw it and acknowledged it. And yeah. I hadn't really remembered what it was like to be that age until I saw the girl flirting with the boy and then the boy didn't respond fast enough. And so now she's over here trying to get this boy's attention and that boy's attention. And so it just, it opened my eyes and reminded me of how it was back then. Cause once I saw it, I was like, Oh my goodness. How could I have forgotten? (laughs) Jeez. I remember what it was like to look over my shoulder, hoping that boy's going to look at me and we're going to make eye contact at the same time. Girls are weird. We are weird. You're right. I don't even want to get into that. Don't even. Yeah. Don't try to figure us out. Just love us and appreciate us for all the things that we bring to the table. Don't try to figure us out. (laughs) Lost calls. Yeah. Lost calls. That's my final advice. Don't try to figure girls out. (laughs) But I am glad that we have a better relationship now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like you and dad are two of my best friends. I can talk to you about anything and... There's never really any sense of uh, having to keep anything from you because there's no reason to. I mean, I have access to two people who have already lived lives and gone through a mix of different stuff each. Why Mm -hmm. wouldn't I go and get that advice when it's right there for me? So I am grateful that I have... um, Not all kids are able to see that or even have that experience. Or I was going to say I'm grateful to have level-headed and down-to-earth parents Mm -hmm. that are willing to share that experience with me and aren't, you know, I mean, for a while there you were, we're the parent and you're the kid and. Well, that's because I was supposed to be, I'm not supposed to be your friend. And once you graduated high school and once you moved out, that's when I felt like my sense of parenting had to stop. I mean, because you are an adult and you do have to make your own mistakes and I mean, you have to live your life, and I can't, while I would love, out of my controlling nature, to to keep saying and doing and dictating, it's not the way it's supposed to be, and and, and there's freedom in release and letting you go, and there's freedom and there's joy in seeing you stand up and doing all the things that you're able to do on your own, and 
I get a lot of that is because I was tough on you and because I wouldn't let you not do things and I would stay after you. And when it was too much for me, I had to turn it over to Jeremy. And I'm grateful that he has been there since day one. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I don't, I've thought a lot I mean, about it and I don't know if I could do what he did. I mean, if he came in when I was four to a three. single, okay, three, he came in when I was three to a, you know, a single mother with a kid that that takes a lot, and it takes a certain type of person. And a headstrong and mouthy kid at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a pain in the rear, I'm sure. But yep. I'm glad it that... It takes a special kind of person. I'm glad that it's all turned out how it has. I wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. As, as weird as that feels to say sometimes, I wouldn't go back and change anything no. if I was given the choice. And I know that there aren't coincidences in life, and I know that I met Jeremy at the right time in my life, and... I mean, we started things appropriately, and I just, I know there's not a coincidence that I met him or I saw him on the last day of that job, that the last day that the company was in business. There's no coincidence that I saw him and he I called me. I didn't know me that. That's cool. There's lots of those little things, stories, and kind of like the date today, August 8th, um, when I signed up to get baptized, I didn't really realize what the date was. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even really thought about it. I did it a couple of weeks ago because weeks leading up to this date is when I'm normally in a disheveled, kind of um, depressed state just yeah. because I know what's coming on this date. And so once it dawned on me that, oh my gosh, August 8th, I'm going to get baptized, that's the same day that my world, I walked away from God, basically. That's pretty cool. And then today, August 8th, happened to be the day that I walked back and publicly professed that I'm not going anywhere and that I'm here. I'm glad that that's um, like a new memory you'll have on that day now. Yeah. And so it's not only a bad thing. Yep. And there are many circumstances in life where my paths have crossed and things have lined up and things don't happen for no reason. Jeremy doesn't. He's like, I get so excited about things. And I'm like, can you believe... And he's like, I can't believe you believe. But he was like, so you're telling me this guy that just stopped. Oh, it was a um, guy in the Camaro lives down the street. Yeah. He was. He stopped and gave Jeremy something. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how God's going to use this. And he looked at me and he was <laughs> like, really? Really, you think? Because he stopped and gave me things that he didn't need or he thought I could use because I'm a handyman. He was like, that has to do with God? I was like, some form, some way. I don't know how that happens today, but maybe in two years or six years from now. I was like... I just, everything happens for a reason. And he's like, you're insane, but okay. He loves me through it. (laughs) See, I can fall either way on that. Some days I do feel that everything happens for a reason, but then something insignificant happens, and I feel like, well, I don't know. But I I could definitely, I see what you're saying. I mean, there was intentional placement of this particular girl that you referenced earlier, and I didn't even get to that story about how she ended up. So I told her my story, and Mm -hmm. then she was like, and I'm not going to say a whole lot because it's still... Um, a very sensitive situation, but she was like, I'm sure this tough stuff had happened to all of y'all, but have you ever had this happen? And Mm, no. Wow. I was like, I have not. I'm so sorry. No, I don't have personal experience with that, but I do have a friend. We can, yeah, we can find somebody that has had that experience. I said, so I've seen, and I've walked with her as she went through that. And, that's super scary to hear about because that's really how it can be that, for kids. They just think that that's, that's normal. I yeah. don't even know what, but I can only imagine. Yeah. So after she talked a little bit and we prayed and I was like, look, um, 
I don't know what we need to do from here, but, and so ended up, Ella was like, pulled her to the side and started talking to her because she was in the room with us too when everything went down. And then Pastor Jared went over there and come to find out my story was a lot like what she was, she thought her story was. Mm -hmm. And so she accepted Jesus as her savior that night out there on that golf cart at camp. That's great. Um, Yeah, I know. And when she, I mean, she had been crying and she had been emotional and she had been asking questions the previous days leading up to it. She's like, I've never heard this stuff. I've never talked to me like this. I've never. And I'm like, welcome to youth. Right. I mean, we're no longer kids. We should be having these hard conversations. We should be talking about these things. So you're at an age right now where my story can change the path that you take. Uh, because she's from Pleasant Grove. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she lives at St. Augustine in Elam. And I was like, I know what it's like to live there. I know where that is, and yeah. And she was like, she started telling me some stories of things that happened. And I was like, oh, well, when I was 12, I got mugged. Oh, and yeah, and your purse was full of pads. Yeah, the girl I was with, yes, exactly. She, I hadn't started yet, but she did. And we were walking from the bowling alley that was on Buckner home. And some boys, some teenage punks started whistling and hollering at us well we got a little further on the walk and they circled back behind the school where we walked behind Mm -hmm. and yeah but she only had pads in there so they stole that purse full of pads i know they were mad when they got home and found her wherever they went and emptied that purse (laughs) that's pretty funny (laughs) good times so yeah um pg baby (laughs) (laughs) i can't let that go for sure, you shouldn't. That's part of who you are. Hey, and just for the record, that's where he learned how to play dominoes is from his mama. And from Poppy. Poppy oh, played Poppy a me little a lot. Too. Okay. I guess Poppy can get some uh, props up in there. Oh, goodness. But. The kids are calling. I know. I guess we got to wrap this up. Well, thank you for being on this, Mom. I'm thank happy. You. I'm happy for you for today. I'm thankful for your support on the podcast in general. And um, I love you. I love you, too. If your family can't support you, who will? Right. All right. Y'all have a great week. I'll see you next Saturday. I'm not doing a seven-day-in-a-row thing again this week, I don't think. Um, All right. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.